I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they lengthily discuss of the Condor Man. Three Days of the Condor Man, starring Robert Red... No, Robert Blueford. That's the spoof name of Robert (laughs) And Michael Craw Chevy. This is with Gorley and Rust. I'm Matt Gorley. (laughs) And I'm Paul Rust. Oh, we are talking... That was a a bizarre little opening for a bizarre little movie called Bride and Chucky. That we are discussing today on our pod. I'm, uh, I thought I'd seen this movie. I've not seen this movie. I loved this yeah, movie. Yeah, I loved it too. Oh my God. What a wild ride this little Brian Chucky was. Now, I don't know. I've used the word little now twice. Maybe because Chucky and Tiffany are little. But the scope of the movie is not little. It is no. a wide canvas. Good looking movie, too. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Yu, our boy uh, from Freddy vs. Jason. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, I had never seen this before. I have seen Freddy vs. Jason. I love Freddy vs. Jason. What took me so long to get to Bride of Chucky? Because it's basically the same like tone and I know. look it's, and color. And Ronnie Yu's sweet spot is too kind of killers going after each other in a sense, you know? Yes, and having some sort of a wholesome teen couple right. caught in the middle oh, of yeah. some with a with some pyrotechnics all about. <laughs> so this is with Gorley and Rust where mm-hmm. we talk at length. Mm-hmm. It's a cozy cast about horror mm-hmm. movies, thrillers and whatnot. You can mm-hmm. go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust and get all kinds of bonus content. Film commentaries we're just about to probably the day this comes out on Patreon You'll have the Tremors commentary. We've got mailbag Ooh. episodes, cozy brackets. You can subscribe at the Xenomorph level and have your name read out, which oh, I'd like to, like to throw out to Keanu Greaves. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> and God bless it, Paul. I believe that's all the business except to say we both have a show coming up and it's the same show. That's right. That's right. Uh, but 
It'll be next week for people who are listening right now. Thursday, August right. 4th at the Lodge Room in Highland Park. Make yeah. a night of it. You'll see Townland. You'll see Don't Stop or We'll Die. And the Sloppy Boys. The sloppy Boys. Our bands and the Sloppy Boys. We have promised to do a new James Bond theme cover every live show we can. That's going to be a new one. We've worked it up. It's it's in the, it's in the pocket. Now, I'm going to make a guess. Is it? Some um, incidental music that gets played in the original <laughs> Jimmy Bond TV adaptation from the early 60s. Is that what it was? Jimmy Bond? Or? Yeah. The Climax CBS Mystery Theater or something like that where they did Casino Royale. And it was an American James Bond named Jimmy Bond. And it was Barry Nelson from The Shining. Barry Nelson. Yes. From yeah. the Shining. Ooh, do you think... Um, was the... No, no, no. The Shining was not filmed on the Bond stage. Was it? Uh I, it was not filmed on the Bond stage, but it was filmed at the same studio, I believe, because okay. that's the famous story of, of I forget his name. He was like the nephew of Claude Renoir. Mm. He was the lighting designer for Spy Who Loved Me, someone mm. Renoir, and he started losing his eyesight. So in the wee hours, he asked Kubrick to come over to this uh, giant submarine hangar stage and help light the set and Kubrick obliged. That's Whoa, the story. That is yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, well, because I was going to say, do you think when Barry Nelson's like bopping around the Bond stages right. and he's like, or he'd go over there and like nudge people with his elbow, going, you know, I was the first James Bond. <laughs> that is a good uh, icebreaker that Barry Nelson had. Yeah. Uh, uh, with anybody, right? Just saying, did you know I was the original James Bond? Then they go, I thought that was Sean Connery. Then he goes, no, me. And they go, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then they stand in silence. Also the guy in The Shining who plays, what's his name um, in the bathroom that Jack meets up with? What's the character name? Uh, uh, oh my goodness. Gra Grady. Grady, yes. Yeah. yeah. He's, Delbert. Yes. Grady. He's in... Um, Wait a minute. No, he's in Temple of Doom. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but I th I'm almost certain he's in a Bond movie as well. I was going to say Octopussy, but they both take... It's kind of a shocker he's not in a James Bond movie. I think movie. he might be. Um, I know that in Temple of Doom, his character does not like those snakes getting close to his dinner plate. No, sir. But he, you know, in a prim and proper way. That's right. Pushes away the snake. Speaking of Temple of Doom, you can get that commentary on our Patreon as well. That's right. We talk about... Uh, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if we ever got into it with Temple of Doom about the the um fabled, um misremembered Indiana Jones catching an egg on the airplane before it goes down. We, I, okay, we did because so just I, if anybody wants that, I but. don't think I had heard that before. That's why I remembered that you brought that up. Yeah, I believe it, it existed in the uh, uh novelization or the uh graphic novel comic book. So people put it in their heads that that scene didn't happen. Where did. does he catch an egg? Um, so before... Go catch an egg. Go catch an egg, Indy. Uh, before the plane crashes, uh -huh. um, uh, the, the two pilots, before they release all the gas from the plane, mm -hmm. um, uh, they look back and they know that Indy's the real deal because he has reflexes oh, that allow right. him when he's asleep 
to catch an egg from a chicken. Getting a chicken hatches an egg and he catches it with hand. They're like, whoa, we gotta be careful. What is I'll bet you that conversation naturally led to what I was now inspired to say, which is I read the novelization of Last Crusade, and he he would get a tingle in the back of his neck when he sensed danger, like a spidey sense. <laughs> that's canon then, those novelizations. <laughs> God, when do you I, that's probably why he Oh my god, I hope part five of the Indiana Jones movie really explores this like Oh my god. He does have it. And it was given to him this special tingle amulet. Ooh, we get an amulet. The tingle amulet. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case anybody was wondering if oh, these yeah. Chucky franchise movies have an amulet in it. Oh, don't worry, Brian of Chucky does. Not only does it have an amulet, it's a retconned amulet. Yeah, that is one of the biggest <gasps> An amulet, I don't think, has ever been used in a non-sweaty way for plot purposes, oh, but this right. might have been the sweatiest. What are the great like, amulets of cinema history? <laughs> well, I feel like it also involves a lot of times the completion of an amulet. Mm-hmm. Maybe an amulet needs another final crystal yeah. put in it. There, I only know amulets as a MacGuffin in movie history. I, is, does an amulet doesn't really have... a practical world purpose other than being a mystical charm right it's not a yeah 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 i mean it's not if anything they should have a little thing where it opens up and there's just like some lip balm and <laughs> or like a picture of your sweetie yeah something practical yeah uh yeah the um the best retconning of it was my favorite was how they photoshopped the amulet onto uh 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 what's his name yeah Michael or Brad, Brad Dourif. Dourif. I got that original was it photoshopped or did they do a new sh- shoot I think it's his 1988 photo gotcha from the 1988 movie and then they went amulet it's always been there don't check don't check our work. Well, let's get into this movie. God bless it. God bless Brad and Chucky. Yeah. So, uh, hey, 1998. Yeah, I've mentioned this before. I was working as a ticket taker, not a literal ticket taker, an improv performer at CityWalk Theaters. And this movie was huge there because it was such a Friday night crowd. Ooh, rowdy, crowdy. Yeah. It's just a stone's throw away from Universal Studios where they're probably hyping up this Bride of Chucky movie. (sighs) Are you kidding? 1998, this is the height of... The Mariner shooting down the seaplane in the Waterworld stunt show. <laughs> Universal. First, I thought you meant that flight that went down that uh, semi-inspired Final Destination, where the remember there was all this conspiracy theories about a plane went out with some students, and then it did it get shot down or not? No, mm, but I read, tab cl- I, open and closed. I do look forward to doing those movies because I haven't seen any of them. They're good. They're uh, um. This pocket that we like right here of this kind of late 90s, early oddies, yeah. uh, they fit right in there, those Final Destination movies. I mean, just taking a, uh, uh, you know, like a broad view of looking at it, this is so, like, it's funny that Rob Zombie's music in, in this and yeah. stuff, because I was thinking about it. This is like, these movies are pleasurable because they're like, a complete 180 from the only horror we've ever really had a bummer watching um, outside of Jack Frost. Um, the the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. Yeah. Because those are so like um, a, a, a 
bummer. Yeah, oppressive, bleak. But like with this, it's like, I feel like um, what Scream came out in 96. So it sort of put down a stake where it was like, I don't know. How do you do a Chucky movie after Scream comes out and kind of calls out the game? You have to, you have to adapt. And I think it suits Chucky way better. I like the first one Mm -hmm. as its own thing, Mm -hmm. but this is where this movie needs to be. Yeah. And if you would have told me, I knew that, that Jennifer Tilly gets turned into this doll, but if you would have told me that the most of this movie is just them sitting in a van, making shit happen, like as some kind of violent version of punked, where they're just kind of entertaining themselves yeah. and almost in a way looking out for these two so they can get them to the cemetery in New Jersey. I know the duo duos of Chucky and Tiffany and then uh, the young couple, Catherine yeah. Heigl and her beau was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just another- Double road trip. Reason I'm thankful that this whole thing basically gets to be shepherded by Don Mancini because he has- a unique voice that's yeah. left of center. It's still good, but yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the path you would, each movie has not felt like the path anyone else would take. Yeah. And it's just great. I know. Yeah. Can you imagine a, a wilder turn from a one part one to a part four than this? <laughs> I know. Like a bigger swing. And cause usually it takes a few more before they start taking big swings, like Jason versus Carrie or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yet it's like, follows the classical path of Frankenstein to Bride of Frankenstein yeah. and even references yeah. that. So a certain part of it really feels warranted, you know? Yeah, and I think uh, uh, you're you're right about the um, kind of had to go here at, by uh, part four. And uh, as far as the Don Mancini point of view goes, you know, it's like he's um, out uh, – and he's talked about, uh, he's an out gay man. And he's talked about how he's brought that perspective to the Chucky franchise. Um, and I was thinking about like, um, I remember Fran Lebowitz talking about like, um, gay artists and writers and novelists and, uh, why does that occur? And she was saying, you know, artists are sort of born out of, you feel like you're on the outside looking in and people who feel on the inside rarely become artists because mm-hmm. they're on the inside they're, you know? And so if you have the uh, vantage point of being on the outside looking in, you just become a really good observer. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of like trying to figure out what the, what that means. But I feel like um, in a way, if that's true, good artists are outside looking in then it stands to reason the more outside somebody is looking in, the better the art. And like, because look, up to this point, we've watched a lot of movies that were probably made by white male guys who grew up reading monster and creature magazines. Yeah, But that was really their only outside looking in is like, mm-hmm. I'm a nerd who likes horror movies. Right. So you get some sort of outsider point of view looking in. Yeah. But when you have Don Mancini who grew up gay and has an outside, you get like something so radical in all kinds of the word, like Bride of Chucky where um, 
it's such a funny like spoof of hetero couples. Yeah. Also, I don't think he would have had Jennifer Tilly in this role if it was just your typical, you know. Yeah. Well, and just like the way that the couple, that one couple gets often. No, totally. Uh, 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 and Jennifer Tilly feels like a character out of a, like a John Waters movie She's or something. so good. And then that couple that gets killed is like, it's uh, the honeymoon couple. Is that Margot Kidder's daughter? Oh, I saw the last name Kidder. Yeah, I don't know if it is. I I, should, oh. I hope you're not being a Kidder here by getting. I'm the, not, uh, and I have thinking. to admit, it's been so crazy at our household. I haven't even been able to read Brantley's notes this time. So, oh, so maybe it's in there. I yes, yeah. I same. Uh, Brantley, we love you, but I'm so sorry. I missed out. On, uh, we'll read at the break. And okay, we'll okay, have stuff good to idea. Say. Yeah, um, it's just if it is her. Crazy. When was the last time we saw a Kidder in a honeymoon suite near Niagara Falls? Uh, uh, excuse me, someone was reaching in the fire to get their super specs. <laughs> wow. Uh, but the um um um, it's so funny because it's like we've seen the couple that gets off in a horror movie but this is such like it's such a grotesque version it's like cheesy couple going to a cheesy like wedding chapel and then it's like you guys like watching yourselves have sex with a mirror on a ceiling (laughs) yeah that mirror's gonna break and it's gonna like shatter on you it just is like and then seeing like tiffany in the rv like baking cookies amazing it's all like i do feel like it's so right on because it does feel like don mancini growing up and being like that's all bullshit i see people baking cookies for their husbands it's just as dumb and fake as these dolls do it i mean there is something that's so exciting watching this movie well this uh, is a horror movie becomes a domestic comedy yes and it does make like what this really should lead to i know there's a chucky tv show is a chucky and tiffany sitcom Yes. Yes. Where they're, it's like Alf. Yeah. Yeah. They go and they live with the the young couple. Yeah. And uh, they have to, you know, some neighbors who are always nosy and they think Chucky and Tiffany are up to something. Yeah. And little seed of Chucky is their, their child, which I learned, I looked ahead because when that, not to skip to the end, but when sure. Seed of Chucky was born, which is unbelievable, moment. unbelievable ending, maybe one of the best endings yeah. of a horror, and one of the horror movies we watched. Yeah, it's up there with Alien versus Predator of the bursting out of the Predator. I mean, it's very was well, really good. <laughs> it was very similar to it. and Prometheus. Um, but both Amanda and I went, Glenn. Like, it's like screaming baby, and Glenn's just such. She's always our daughter is always making these noises. Yeah. Like, and this seed of Chucky's character, the baby, the boy, will find out is named Glenn. <laughs> oh my god! <gosh, laughs> it's spelled really? differently. Our daughter's G L E N N E. So you didn't name Glenn after the we seed did, of but Chucky. we just wanted to feminize the name. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. The uh, that is, uh, yeah, that ending was really. I, I didn't know it was going to happen. So I got a true, like, unexpected ending. There. <sighs> I know, and. The, the sculpting on this one too of of specifically Chucky and Seed of Chucky because it looks like a baby but also looks like little Chucky. It's so cute and so horrible. <laughs> yeah. So I guess yeah, since um Tiffany previously was going like, Oh, I'm crying, I can I can make tears. Yeah. I guess that means she can make eggs. Clearly, because the yeah, uh, I didn't quite fully follow their little conversation of like uh, 
I'm an atomically correct. So am I. Uh, or so, something. I, yeah. But it was enough to watch them make love in silhouette, and that was perfect. Uh, was this pre or post uh, Team America? Pre. Yeah, and it's okay. also pre Alien versus Predator. So uh, right. fingerprints all over uh, uh, Bright and Chucky <laughs> there. Um, yeah, the... Uh, that sex scene was so mm. funny. I mean, the the stuff that would really crack me up is like when they had their first like French kiss make out. You just see these two doll heads with like tongues coming out at yeah. each other. So wild. The thing, and then when they have like a passionate kiss before like one of them dies or before they turn on each other near the end, I just imagined them like setting up a shot where they. It's like kids in a bedroom doing pretend like two yeah. dolls kiss. Yes. They just set up a whole shot with oh. lighting to very seriously have these two like plastic heads like but push against each other. must have had smiles on their faces, but I know film sets can be so stressful. But <sighs> that speaking of City Walk and Friday night movies, yeah. when this movie was out. This is like City Walk the movie. Yeah, yeah it really yeah. is. And I was kind of thinking this was going to be more like Child's Play 1. I didn't see the movie and was looking at people bring their kids in, which still was not a good idea. But I just sort of like, just didn't want anything to do with the movie, the crowd or anything like that. And I look back now and go, what my loss? I mean, that's, this is the type of movie you want to see on a Friday night in a crowded theater. Imagine the reaction of all this shit would have been amazing. Damn. You're right, man. I really wish I would have seen this in a theater with people. Yeah. I did, um, when I saw like posters and it was coming out, I did think it looked weird or gross or like a cash grab or something. So I did it. And then years after, I remember people being like, Bride of Chucky's pretty good. But yeah, I I dismissed it. I mean, what was coming out at the time was, I guess, uh, earlier that summer of 98, I... Went and saw Halloween H2O mm. and uh, went and saw, seen uh, the screen two. And I know what you did last summer and I still know what you did last summer. So, and this does have that kind of like infusion of a young uh, 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 um, WB looking yeah. style yes. young couple. Uh, it's crazy that TV could kind of influence movies like that at the time. Yeah, that they were just... Like the claw machine was just reaching down and pulling out <laughs> WB stars and yeah. putting them. Uh, and, you know, like those movies too, they're just like, there's not many shadows. Everything's pretty bright. Yeah. Uh, the it's, music is oh. just like, oh my God. I mean, uh, we're not fans of Rob Zombie here. I even didn't mind this opening song. When he, whatever that music is, it's like in industrial funk metal i mean it's just like all kinds of shit <laughs> yes and it's just uh it is such a specific time and place Boy, when you could sure. open a movie with like this total gibberish until you get to Bride of Chucky. Scared my cat. <laughs> Mario was like, I'm used to it with this wiseacre. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's so, it is moodily lit, but you're right. It's bright in most places and so colorful, which works for yeah. the doll aspect of things. I mean, you said Bride of Frankenstein. It does look like a color version of a black and white old universal movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
two other companions that came out that same year. I did see in theaters like a couple months later in 1998, the Psycho remake oh, that right. came out um, from Universal. And I noticed that there's a part where the shower curtain, Chucky goes to it, and it's it looks like an identical to the updated 90 oh, shower curtain in the 19 do you Could remember how the they were same like one this is the 1998 shower yeah. curtain okay yeah um i may do this shot for shot remake but <laughs> we're not scrimping on shower curtains. do you remember uh introducing psycho at the city walk uh when you were a ticket taker i don't remember that oh the, going back oh sorry yeah Going back, when you said you saw Bride of Chucky, but you didn't, do you I didn't, mean like I just you now recall there. you never did, but I thought you I just did. didn't remember. I didn't yeah. remember a second of this. So yeah. I must have peeked in, because we would often just kill time and go peek into movies and stand in the back. Mm-hmm. I must have seen some of it, but I had no recollection of it whatsoever. I remember certainly the poster, and I remember it being there. Same with I Know What You Did Last Summer, because I know all their faces on the poster and then Brandy came in one night to watch the movie in the theater. Hey! And then the sequel and then, yeah, Scream 2. I don't remember Psycho. I remember, of course, Meet Joe Black because that was where the Phantom Menace trailer was and mm-hmm. then Phantom Menace was huge that next summer. Did you see people roll up just for the Phantom Menace trailer oh, and leave yeah. Yeah. after? Yeah. yeah. And I would go in. That was real perk of that was like not having to pay for a movie just to see that trailer. I would go watch that trailer hundreds of times. Anytime Meet Joe Black was starting, oh, what I, would, a blast. I would skip off from what I was supposed to be doing, dressed in a green, you know, ticket tailor costume, ticket taker, and go watch the Phantom Menace trailer. I uh, heard that if you were an usher in New York, I don't know if this exists anymore, you became part of this like secret world of ushers where you could just go into different theaters for free. And that was like the ushers all let you in or the, this was theater policy. It was like a, little, uh, this was a secret oh, under yeah. the table thing. Like, Oh, you're an usher here. Well, Hey, part of the brother, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. Yeah. Next time I'm at the theater, I'll let you in. So like if you became an usher in New York, you basically got a free pass to any theater, which was a pretty cool oh, perk. Yeah. Um, cause I work, I told you, I, uh, it would have been roughly around this time. I was working at a movie theater, and but it would be working concessions, and then at night, after it closed down, uh, cleaning the theaters. Mm, yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you that the we had wood paneled floor? It was an old theater, and so. Um, all the syrup and beverages and butter and stuff just slowly got soaked into the wood and you would um, almost like, like a scene from psycho where you're trying to get rid of the blood. (laughs) Like you would, my manager warned me about this. She was like, this is going to happen. You're going to scrub the floors and they're going to get all clean and you'll get all the butter and sticky residue off. But it's so deep into the wood that it kind of like sap will come back out. Like all the stuff inside there just kind of leaks back up to the top. So you could spend your whole life just trying to like clean out the. uh, uh. You need to put a sealer on that shit. Yeah, put a sealer on that shit. Oh my God. Um, But. uh, and that's how I got to see Phantom Menace mm. early. Was so, that was you got our to late, see it early before its debut? The Thursday night into the Friday, like when people oh. were getting to see it at midnight. Okay, our we Whoa. didn't do that for our town. Yeah, but our theater manager did it for like the seven of us who worked oh. there. 
Yeah. That's nice. It was cool. And I, you know, 1999 was a real run of movies. Yeah. I snatched every theatrical release lobby poster from some uh, amazing movies, Magnolia and Fight Club and Three Kings. uh, Yeah. Um. Did Didn't you, get Shanghai noon, but well, did you um, like Phantom Menace when you first saw it? Um, you were how old? Eighteen. Um, no, but <laughs> I didn't. Also, I didn't really start really clicking into Star Wars until mm-hmm. like college and after college, where I could watch them and go. I'm enjoying these from beginning to end. Like as a kid, sometimes I would kind of just watch the set pieces and my mind would wander and I just wouldn't get gripped by the characters yeah. as much. And so when I went and saw Phantom Menace, it was a little bit my experience of special edition, which was like, I went with buddies. It was more about the fun of going and seeing mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie tonight than really thinking about the movie I saw. Yeah. But I will say, after Phantom Menace, I did think it was like a, a more underwhelming experience, just because I didn't even have the nostalgia or right. something. But what did yeah. you think when you left? I really, really tried to convince myself that I yeah. liked it, and um, uh, you know, it would take some time to realize I didn't because I wanted to like it so bad. Yeah, and it it doesn't age well, and I know there's a love for it for it's like young children that have grown up mm-hmm. on it really defend it, and I get that. You know what I do like about it? And this is weird. Yeah. I love the title and most people hate the title, but the Phantom Menace, it's it's definitely odd. And I remember when they announced it, you're kind of like, what? But it's really unique yeah. and interesting to me. It and it is does have the serial feel of the old time serials, you know? Yeah. And it's the least, um, it's a little bit more, um, it's the most mysterious, uh, maybe because it has Phantom in it, but just like all the other titles are kind of maybe clunky plot descriptions if you think about and it. And The Empire Strikes Back is really, when you think about it, a shitty title for oh, such yeah. an amazing movie. That is just so unoriginal. Yeah, I was, you know, in the position of having that movie exist for a long time, not a long time, hearing that title forever and yeah, ever and ever. Question it. it was almost like The Beatles. Yes. Where when you go, oh, The Beatles is a pun, right? Yeah. I forget about it. Like, I remember once when I was a kid being like, The Empire strikes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that is a no, weird you're title. Right. Uh, people of our age, that was grandfathered in. You don't question it. And yeah. when you really think of it, I think that's a worse title than Phantom Menace. For What about Attack of the Clones? It's better than Empire Strikes Back. I don't love okay. it. I don't yeah. love it. Yeah. Uh, Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith are solid. Yep. Um, and then... Last Jedi. Last Jedi is good uh-huh. as a title. Yeah. I really like that. Rise of Skywalker, I do not like because Rise is so overused in the last 10 years. Yeah. Have you ever gone down that amazing Reddit thread where this person was leaking things about all the reshoots that were happening with Rise of Skywalker? And then no. somebody constructed a full Reddit thread where it's like, this thing that leaked. This is proven in this, and you can and people. There's a whole obsession about. Could you send trying that to, dis- to me? Yeah, I will. Trying to distinguish when were things reshoots. Where are the pieces of tape in the movie where you're basically they're trying to like rejigger oh, stuff at the wow. last minute? Um, what was I watching? Oh, I've just fully gotten into um, Heaven's Gate, man. I like. 
uh, read this biography about Michael Cimino called Cimino. It's all right. It's pretty good. But it just got me back on a... And then I reread the um, the book um, about by Stephen Bach about the making of it. Uh-huh. But it's so funny watching alternate versions of stuff. I mean, it's really illuminating when you... Uh, uh, or more, should I say, like... Not necessarily with Heaven's Gate, sorry. But just like when a reshoot scene pops up, it is so illuminating of like what they're trying to fix in the movie, yeah, right? Yeah, and might not even be something that needs to be in that scene, but to justify something later. Yeah, and I started to read Duel of the Fates, which was Colin Trevorrow's mm. script for the third movie. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people out there because they don't like Rise of Skywalker, who just assume that would have been better, but I don't think it was. From what I read, also, like, his... Jurassic Park movies are rough. <laughs> yeah. Too bad they're not, um, they're not movies about big dogs instead of big dinosaurs, because then you could go, they were real rough. <laughs> but I don't think any dinosaurs ever make that sound. <laughs> I, um, I don't have the hate for Rise of Skywalker that a lot of people do. I don't think it's great by any means, but yeah. I think it's because I appreciate that it's tr- sort of trying to get back on track and... Mm-hmm. And yet some of the off-track stuff of Last Jedi I really like, but a lot yeah. of it I don't. And so it's just so many people fighting. Boy, it's, I mean, there's nothing new I'm saying here, but no, it's I mean, so, I so sad it. that those movies were squandered almost through nobody's fault. Everybody's intentions were good. And then they kind of pivoted to TV saying, we do TV right. And yeah. then they have the TV now of Star Wars is way worse than the movies for me. I would much rather just see these... <laughs> I don't know what movies over the Obi-Wan. Oh, man. Oh, I'm now in the position where I'd rather see a new George Lucas prequel style Star Wars movie than another than a TV series. Imagine Lucas making a Star Wars movie now, being even more out of touch than he ever was in the 90s. I would, it, it might go so far out the, you know, yeah. our proverbial Pac-Man door that it could be brilliant again. <laughs> well, you could look at the vantage point of, um, 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 you know how they look at the prequels from the vantage point of the way everybody's talking. It's how he, this has been a guy who's been in a million boardroom meetings or divorce proceedings. It's all like <laughs> compromises yes. of who's going to get what. And you're like, dude, have you, this is all you've been experiencing for the last 15 <laughs> years of life. True. Um, and the influence of young children he's adopted. So yes. his taste quality level is through the eyes of a child, but his ex- lived experience is divorce proceeding. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So it's all Senate. Yeah, Senate and, and Jar Jar. Oh my God, that's uh, so right. But if it was the same thing with these, if he came back to do them and now they have the vantage point of like what, I guess his perspective being like Disney coming and buying something for you and then you just hang out and tell you ride for a few years. Oh <laughs> I don't God. like yeah. what a guy does when everybody's not on his ranch anymore. Oh, and I know, we, you know, he's done treatments for those three movies that they made and they're nothing like... I would really like to know, I would love to read those scripts as just a study. This is the same reason I love watching the prequels because I'm constantly going, wow. Yeah, I mean, the ultimate uh, biff, the biffaroo of those uh, sequels, the uh, ones from the last 10 years or whatever, I was like, they should have kept those older characters around a little bit longer. We didn't get one frame where we saw Luke in the middle between Han 
and Leia in a cockpit just sitting there. That's all we want to see. We just want to see those three heads. One frame when you could have had a whole movie. Yes, I know, I know. And Chewie and 3PO and R2, everyone was still alive. Everyone I remember uh, when uh, Hateful Eight came out. I was going up against Force Awakens, and he wasn't, Paul Thomas Anderson wasn't necessarily saying, comparing Force Awakens to Hateful Eight, but it was just sort of about the idea of special effects in movies. And he said something like, uh, uh, a close-up of Jennifer Jason Lee in performance in Hateful Eight. That's the greatest special effect of them all. Mm. It's a close-up of an actor. Yeah. And you do think like, oh, that could have just, that's easy magic to put in those Star Wars movies that don't cost a dime, well, cost a dime for a salary. Right. Um, sort of similar to this. Do you know what I've been thinking about lately, Matt? What? Um, when I see parents laughing with their kids. Yeah. I think. Laughs are for free. Is that true? That's 100% true. Everybody stresses out about all this stuff, but a laugh is for free. And a laugh pays dividends, my friend. It's tr- it does? Yes. Whew. And I laughed out loud during Bride of Chucky countless times. Me too. Movies don't... Re- well, I do it more and more now that I'm turning into my dad. I laugh hard at movies. And ha! Manda, come in and get in here and look at this. <laughs> I think that's where all dads lead to, is yeah, laughing yeah. in a room by themselves and then yelling you gotta for somebody see their this. family to come in and see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's... I do it. I'm like... I pity my daughter. Yeah, did uh, what did you? So I laughed at when he said uh, uh, when he was um, uh, when they told him to write what he wrote P I T C H. Yes, that he's just such a misanthrope. It kills me. It kills me. It's the character has crystallized into perfection in this movie. You know why it's so great that he's such a little piece of shit. It's like when you see a wiener dog like take on a German shepherd yeah, or something. Yeah. Because Chucky is so small. Absolutely. Him puffing his chest that way is just oh. like the funniest, most adorable thing in the world. Like Yeah, and it would never work if Brad Dorf was on camera delivering this. That's right. And I'm I don't find even ironic misogynistic or racist humor very funny. But in this, because it is a doll, yeah, and he is a villain. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it's a uh, he's it's totally played into uh, whatever an anti-hero thing that people just like. Oh, what you were saying about if you could have sat in a theater on opening night with this, like the moment when Chucky's little legs are running, you see them when he hops out of the van yeah. and runs along, and then scurrying around on his <laughs> tummy. <laughs> I, the house would have gone oh, bananas, ballistic, and. You know, for a while he doesn't want to get married, and it's that funny, just kind of like <laughs> same old man versus woman kind of thing. Yeah. But there is a point, even when he's not trying to manipulate her, that he's kind of like, "Wow, you really got like." They have these moments I where know. he really starts to see the worth of her, and you, you're just so on their side, which oh is like, gosh. what does that say about yourself? And I love it. I, I love know that. when uh, 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 Brian, uh, when uh, Chucky and Tiffany, there's some scenes where they're just like talking to each other in the front of the car and yeah. having a conversation, yes. and I was like. I mean, we say this with each subsequent sequel of the child. If you just put that scene, like dropped it into the first child's play, <laughs> you'd be like, what is there scenes where <laughs> Chucky is fully articulating? And um, another, you know, another way to look at these movies, each one is also just uh, as special effects movies. And it is really cool. Like, really good. Man, this might. Um, now, I love the look of like 
Chucky too, because I don't love entirely when a monster goes into the Frankenstein look, like when Jason, yeah, in part six starts showing all of his scratches and stuff. Yeah. It's not my favorite thing. I kind of like it when a monster could just always stay yeah. itself. But um, the way his skin now looks oh. like fleshy. Oh. And can articulate. That's the biggest jump from like eighty eight to ninety eight. I think is yeah. like the technology. And that and it it is plastic and rubbery, but there's blood and tissue beneath. Yeah, and then the tissue stuff. Tissue is a great word. The yeah, sprigs of hair just stapled in and sticking out at odd angles. Like oh. she did his own like comb over. It looked like yeah. she was like trying to like comb over and then staple it down. But he he also like I know he mentions it one time. I think, but. He's just living again, you know. He he doesn't. There's never any more mention of why he looks like that or anything. And you just throughout the movie, I keep looking at him, just cracking up. And then when she pops up on the glass of the oven, all burned and charred, going, "Yes, oh, that was great." That was uh, after the RV flipped, right? Yeah. So after some RV action, yeah. Um. Well, should we talk logo, logo? Do you? Um. Did you need to take take a, a child's? A child spray. A child spray for. Uh, yeah. Um, let's do it because then we can read up on Brantley's notes because I Perfect. don't want to forget those. Perfect. Yeah. And okay. We'll be right back. With hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. With and All right, we're uh, back. We're back now. Uh, first of all, Brantley read the notes; they're yeah, fantastic. So Thank you good. so much. And uh, I also just don't want to forget that I really didn't celebrate it last time as much as I uh, should have. Don't Farrells with the Charles. <laughs> That's very funny. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> when Chucky says, uh, don't, oh, don't fuck don't, with the Charles, oh, he yeah. said, don't Farrells <laughs> with the Charles. How did you even remember that? It uh, came to me, oh, back to God. me in a dream, and I woke up and shot up in bed. I said, don't Farrells. <laughs> and then Leslie woke up next to me and went, with the Charles? And I said, yes, yes. Finally. <laughs> so Brantley sent us these amazing notes. Also, tons of behind-the-scenes pictures. And there's a close-up on John Ritter when he's got all the nails, which... I didn't realize he's got a whole like upper tooth palette set that his lip wraps up around. Damn. Yeah. And boy, it's so nice to hear that it sounds like John Ritter was a joy on set. Also, I never even put it together that when Ronnie, you directed Freddy versus Jason, he put Jason Ritter in there probably because he loved working with his dad and, you know, 
Yeah, I didn't put it together when I watched Freddy vs. Jason, but as soon as John Ritter popped up, I was like, oh, yes, Jason Ritter. And then Brantley's notes pointed that out. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it seems like uh, people do themselves a huge favor when they cast a, a, a John or a Jason uh, or a Tex. Yeah, it, uh, Ritter, that's right. Because uh, it sounds like they're friendly people, I miss but John also Ritter. extremely uh, talented and bring the goods. John Ritter truly was a loss, man. Oh. Yeah. So I think we've talked briefly about Ritter, but yeah. since he's now in this movie, yeah. should we just quickly or gush get rhapsodize about Ritter? Yeah, because you know it's no secret that I think his career after Three's Company, he had the Blake Edwards movie Skin mm-hmm. Deep, but it didn't quite take off in the way that I I bet most people would have imagined. And then he started to do things like this, but then he shows up in Sling Blade. I bet he would have had the most wonderful renaissance after that TV show where some filmmaker that grew yeah. up on Three's Company would have put him in it something, even like Quentin Tarantino, yeah. I can imagine. You know? No, uh, uh, I put him with uh, uh, like Phil Hartman and John Candy. Mm-hmm. Like if the three of them had like had longer lives and careers – they're, they, they're such great actors yeah. in addition to being comedic. They could, yeah, be really scoring in uh, older older character roles. There's just something about John Ritter appearing on screen and uh, like my anxiety level drops. Yeah. I mean, he's a perfect uh, foil and problem child because that would be a difficult... Because what I was going to say was like, I, you know, I, I hear you about, you know, Post Three's Company, it's not like then John Ritter became a superstar in movies or something, even though he's like beloved by everybody. I was like, oh, I wonder if like movie stardom requires some sort of grit or darkness. Maybe in that era, you just needed a Bill Murray wise ass quality. Yeah, or even personally outside of the performance characteristics, a kind of. Um, maybe selfish ambition or something yeah. that's a little like, yeah, maybe he was too good a guy to to fight for things in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. No, but. yeah. Yeah, and then with the characters he plays, yeah, like uh, in Skin Deep, he is pra- playing like a Lothario. So I guess uh, that kind of goes with Jack Tripper and Three's Company because yeah. he was a ladies' man. But in Skin Deep, I think it is more... Dramatic. He, he's in this Bogdanovich movie at, at long lost, uh, uh, at long last love. Is that right? No. Or is that the one with uh, Burt Reynolds? Um, but um, he plays like a romantic in that and it's good. But I do think like Problem Child is kind of perfect because the comedy is dark. So it's not entirely squeaky. Yeah. But you sort of need somebody a little squeaky to play the dad. Otherwise you're just like, Oh, Bill Murray's just being such a jerk to this problem child or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's perfect casting. Did you ever see hero at large? <laughs> Speaking of, we opened it up with three days of the condor man. Is oh, it yeah. hero at large? Part of the condor man uh, fake, uh, superhero. Yeah, basically. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen hero at large. Oh. I think it, uh, is Ritter one of the best I saw this movie as a kid, so again, it's grandfathered in, uh, you know, before critical tastes, but I adored it as a kid, and I wanted to play that just as much as Superman, and it was, I think, his (laughs) first maybe lead role after Three's Company or during, 
And I just loved it. That would be a fun to want, fun to watch. We should really mm-hmm. do these kind of, you know, hero at large, cloak and dagger. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The sort of uh, stunted post Bond and Raiders action adventure, because they do have yeah. some sort of like cheeky funness that's not like in a, uh, um, you know, in a Rambo or one of those. No, of there, yeah, there's yeah. nothing heavy about it. Yeah. There's a little, if you get drama, it's melodrama. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Uh, the movie is, they all laughed. Okay. Uh, the Bogdanovich movie with John Ritter, uh, playing the, the romantic, uh, 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 the, um, what were you just saying, Matt? Uh, Hero uh, at large. Uh, Oh, 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 just, yeah. That the, um, whatever that, sensibility is or whatever that vibe is like um we've used the word um camp uh-huh um before and one of the best definitions of camp uh can i read it to you please this is from a uh, uh, a really funny uh uh comedian and actor uh guy brownham oh yeah uh g-u-y oh, yeah i think you've Read yeah, this before yeah, I say I, it again. I tried. I um tried to phrase it, and I did it poorly. So I'll just read his real one. But yeah, G U I B R A N U M. If you guys want to follow him on Twitter, uh, he said a possible, and he's a very funny uh, comic, so people should check him out. Uh, a, a possible definition of camp is pretending to do a thing while actually doing it and uh i did think like uh just now when you're like condor man is like camp is a good word for me to understand that because it is like a or, or or hero at large yeah it's like they are still doing a superhero movie but they're kind of it's the pretend it's like the fun of pretending uh that's like uh, that is like the way that helped me understand uh, even like when I was watching Bride of Chucky, just yes. like, and, and the full stages I like of it is when you go like, oh, they're pretending to do the thing. haha, ha, that's funny. And then somehow you click into it. And they are and, doing the thing. Yeah, and you're doing yeah. the thing, but you care just as much as when somebody does do it yes. real. It's having its cake and eating it too. It's the best. It's like the best thing in the world. And I, then uh, at the end, before she gave birth and Tiffany like started screaming and crying, I was like, Oh, poor Tiffany. I hope she's okay. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing that I went on this whole journey. of just being like, ha ha, silly movie. Okay. I care a little bit more. Now I fully care. And then, uh, but it's still camp. Is yeah. Like camp isn't, bad camp yeah. is knowing camp is satire not parody right so like the i always remember growing up and the big, biggest example i knew of camp was the 60s batman show but i never knew what that meant and then you realize it's like they they mean to do it this way and they're saying a little something yeah. yeah yes right 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 and maybe that's sort of like where you know bringing it back to like the post screen when somebody calls out the game uh-huh. like horror movies either had a choice of God, do we now play it straight or do we can be? And if somebody kind of lays the cards down like that, I think in the long run, I do appreciate. It seems sort of like when Scream laid down the cards, 
the two stages of reactions were like, or three or something was like, okay, camp, bright as Chucky will just be silly. Um, then it became kind of like the Rob zombie, which is sort of like, okay, scream, you put the cards down on the table. We now know the tricks. So the way we're going to get around that is just by like rubbing your face into some, a pile of feces, like going down on the, yeah, that's how we're going to get you to react. Now it's been shown as a trick. So the way we'll get you back is sort of this kind of visceral. It's reverse camp. So it knows what it's doing as well, but it's going so far instead of, instead of the like, um, uh, comedic version it's going so far in the serious version that it's not real either perfect yeah that's so right yes that there's not even they can't even bring an element of comicness into it yeah. because it'd blow it up so then and then i guess the other way is kind of like i don't know if with these reboots and remakes and sequel requels and stuff if that is like just a reaction after scream kind of goes like all right, we're showing you what all the tricks are. The only way you can fight that is by going back to what things were before the trick got shown. Because you're like, well, you remember yeah. when you believed the trick back with Halloween, right? So if Halloween comes back, you'll still buy the... And that's only possible because of the movies that came before and the time we're in. And yes. So you can camp and reverse camp, they both have a ceiling. And your first one out of the gate, camp-wise, is probably going to be amazing. And then there's right. such diminishing returns that you you can't keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, to well, and then also, yeah, you're you're right about their kind of reactions to something. So if you're watching them isolated, yeah, I'm not seeing Bride of Chucky in the context of, oh, I just saw Scream and Scream right. Two over the last two years. I'm just like watching this as any other movie, and now it's pleasurable because it's knowing. But you've seen the three prior Chucky's as well. That's that, true. That matters too. And so I wonder yeah. if we just came in first with this. You, I think you kind of do need your vegetables first to... You'd still appreciate yeah. Bride of Chucky, but I appreciate it so much more knowing where it's come from. Well, the tone, you know, it's funny because Chucky... Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> Chucky. I hope he doesn't Chucky me. Chucky's a lot. Chucky to Alexis Arquette in this. <laughs> you know, we talked about how he's like Freddy because he like is sort of fantastical and cracks yeah. wise. But they did kind of remind me more uh, now that we're in the fourth one, more like a Friday the 13th franchise where... Because the first Halloween and the first Nightmare on Elm Street and the first Alien, the tone is so like doom and gloom yeah. and oppressive, and it's awesome because uh-huh. of that. Just having to like, follow up that tone over and over again gets a little hard. But yeah, like, that has a ceiling too. You're right. Yeah, yeah, but when the ceiling was already when the first one was already kind of fun, that just means the ceiling that they're trying to reach is fun each time. Not like they're working in an airplane a, hangar with a high ceiling. Airplane exclamation uh, <laughs> point hangar. Um, well, speaking of Friday the Thirteenth, yes. we talk about the evidence locker that apparently was going to yes. be in in the second movie. Yes, but they brought it in. In Bradley's notes, he said it was originally supposed to be the opening of part two, um, and and it was supposed to be after Catherine Hicks's character is seen in court that she's she's put in a mental asylum, and now then you go into the evidence locker. Um, This actually is a really good point of like the the um, pre scream post scream thing. Not to belabor the point too much, but. when 
I saw this not knowing Brantley's notes at the Bride of Chucky, I was like, similar to how she goes, stabbing is so 80s Ugh. and stuff like that. They're working kind of hard to be like, don't think of Child's Play as these movies that came out in the early 80s and late yeah. night. Or if you do, don't worry, we're making it modern. Uh, it was like the same thing with um, this opening. I was like, oh, they're trying to kind of be like, that was the past. Jason, Michael, Freddie, yeah. you see all their things. They're gone. They're salt. Chucky, but is back and he lives on out of all the 80s yeah. characters. This one is the one that survives. But then when I read that it was in the notes, it was going to be in Child's Play 2. I'm like, oh, that's a different thing. It's like identifying like these are kind of now of uh, they're past their prime. Yes. And they're in evidence storage because now Child's Play 2 is on and we're top dogs. Yeah. At the top of the, yeah. They just now they uh, I work love differently. The, the implication that all of Jason, Freddie, and Michael, and Leatherface happened within whatever precinct this is that gets to control the evidence. The same precinct that I guess they have to maybe leave when they go to New Jersey at the end, even though the first one is in Chicago, which is yeah. another weird Freddie versus Jason thing, even though it came out later. They all hop in a van and have to drive to New Jersey to bring Jason's body back. They're hopping in a van with Chucky's body to bring him to New Jersey, when New Jersey was never even an element of the first Charles play, take him to Chicago. It's crazy because you, you're maybe Charles E. Ray was died in Chicago and then his body was taken to New Jersey to be buried. I don't know, but are we starting in Chicago in this movie? Is that the implication? Because whatever oh, police precinct this is has jurisdiction in Texas, <laughs> Haddonfield, <laughs> Illinois. We think Friday Thirteen is New Jersey, right? Or yes. New York? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Old Street is uh, Springwood, uh, Illinois. Later, they say it's Illinois. Okay. But Ohio, it's sometimes Ohio, I guess. No, Springwood, Ohio. That's right. What a strange, <laughs> strange jurisdiction this place has. Maybe it's some sort of pre-Civil War, like, grandfathered interest. Or you know how sometimes <laughs> when people bring suit, they move it to another place because they can't do a jury pool that isn't biased. So... Yeah, that must be what it is. Yeah, this is like this county, like, uh, doesn't have cable. So there's very, like, they don't know much about, like, the killing. So yeah. they have an un un unsullied jury pool. Yeah, so where is this, do you think? This is... Montana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I had to come all the way to Butte, fucking Montana, just to find... Huh? Client's case. <laughs> You're the town you refer to. This fucking shithole. Just to find 12 people and two alternates that don't know who <laughs> my little friend Michael, my little boy Jason, my little nephew Freddy, and my little ugly fucking runt Charles H. <laughs> Leatherface. Hey, hey, careful. He listens to that stuff. You got to be careful how you refer to You're Chucky. right. Strike that from the... Stop typing, lady. Listen, I'm sorry. I had a bad flight. Voice class from the South to Montana isn't exactly Emirates Airlines. I got one extra bag of peanuts, a little placemat riddle, and... <laughs> And uh, I barely had a conversation with a stewardess. Excuse me, flight attendant. In the South, we still respect our manners. What? Uh, Your Honor? 
In honor of being in Montana, I'm still wearing a seersucking suit, but I put on a 10-gallon hat. Happy? <laughs> you happy? Oh, okay. Well, my clients are innocent. <laughs> Bye. Wow. Uh, having to travel up north really puts something in uh, the southern lawyer's craw there. I do not like the north, for the record. You have a strong... Oh, okay. I'm up here in a Yankee kangaroo court. How can I even trust the laws? I object. Why? Because I'm here. Sustain. Thank you. All right. I, I got. I do have to go. Do you get a... Are you staying in a hotel up here in Montana? I had to stay in a glamping site. I'm staying in a yoit. A yoit? A yoit. A fucking yoit. Oh, man. Uh, well, hey, glamping's better than camping in terms of... Uh, Your Honor, I object and would submit into evidence the phrase glamping is better than camping. For what is camp but ooh, doing it and yes. knowing you're doing it? What is glamp? <laughs> it's camping and knowing you're camping. <laughs> I guess... <laughs> Who am I in this scenario? Am I just a guy sitting uh, in the corner? Oh, you're my paralegal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Your little um, Fritz, my paralegal. <laughs> Fritz will now introduce into evidence the caucus of Chucky and Tiffany and little baby Glenn. The caucus or the carcass? Both. We have the the remains of, of Chucky, but also a group of people who have <laughs> voted for Chucky in the Iowa State primaries. We think our chances are good. We did a straw poll, and people are voting Chucky 2024. Hey, better than Mike Huckabee. Mike Chuckabee. Mike Chuckabee. Oh. We rest our case. Let's go, Fritz. We're never going to get a better out than that. Yeah. Leave when you're on top. <laughs> um, also... Don Mancini's called himself the Cubby Broccoli of the Child's Play franchise. I knew you'd love that. Oh, and the the shot into the gas tank with Chucky's eye was kind of inspired by the James Bond films opening. Well, I have a theory that if uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 had been Part 6, they would have followed up the final chapter with the campy, knowing, tongue-in-cheek yeah. Friday the 13th movie the franchise would have just lasted a little bit longer because people would have been like, ah, oh, they're in on the joke. And part six is such a good movie, just well-made. Wait, what are you saying? That if six would have been come after part four? Yeah. That movie would have been part five. If I like part five, but if part five yeah. had never existed, I think people would have been like, this franchise is pretty hip. Right. They told us it was the last chapter. And then what they did afterwards was this kind of funny tongue in cheek, uh, 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 but well-made yep. movie. Um, I feel like that's sort of a one a child's play for new to do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, oh, but why I say that is Friday 13 part six is the thing that starts with the James Bond yes. reference. So I was like, oh, maybe what's the James Bond references come into your franchise? That's, <laughs> that's when, the sign. Yeah. Man, this is further proof that most franchises, not all, but most franchises, you're hitting your stride at episode four. Mm -hmm. Friday the 14th, part four, the 13th chapter. What? Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Let we, it be said, all the part fours are really good. Yeah, yeah. Aliens might be the only exception. Yeah, well, I think if the movies are like Alien or Jaws, where they're sort of juggernauts outside of yeah. being seen as like, oh, a B-grade horror movie that rose to the top. And that their killers don't have personalities. 
They don't yes. have personas. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Both of them are just kind of these beasts that... Yeah, I guess Michael's kind of like that, but... Yeah, but at least uh, with Michael, you have the... Um, well, I guess Ripley is like Lori. But um, but yeah, just... Uh, but you're slashers. Slashers, yes. Chucky, and, Jason, Michael, Freddy. And they're just made faster. Yeah, um, right. You know, they're the not, economics of them are easier that they just make them quicker. They're so. not event movies. Yeah. Like Aliens 4 was still quite an event movie and a long time coming. Which yeah. says a lot about, um, yeah, these kind of like why low genre B-grade movies can be more fun than these kind of like lumbering alien resurrection style movies where they're just like yeah. so heavy with either the weight right. of canon or just like the weight of salaries yeah and previous cares <laughs> characters yeah uh-huh. you're right canon yeah um this sort of leads us did you watch the halloween ends trailer yes um you know we talked last time about kind of the weirdest sequels are the ones that are the closest yeah to being rushed the ones that are closest to the most previous because they just seem a little weirder um that might be the case with halloween ends uh did you watch the you said you watched the trailer what did you think of it right yeah where she calls laurie calls michael an mfr and she he's stalking around the house and then they have like kind of brief little shots of things from the movie yeah I, I couldn't tell enough. I, I Knowing what I know, that they had a plan for that movie and then scrapped it to do, I think, something COVID-related. Mr. Gorley, can you imagine if in Halloween, before Halloween 2018 came out, the day somebody told you, hey, a teaser trailer is going to come out for part three and you might have mild interest in watching it, you'd be, it'd be a imagine. discouraging notion. I can't imagine that that second one. Soured me so much, Big I'm sad time. to say. Yeah, because I love the first one. My ear to the Halloween movies Reddit ground does seem like it soured a lot of people. Really? And uh, if people want to just advance quickly 30 seconds here, one little tidbit that people are noticing in the trailer. Oh, tell me. Hit 30 seconds now, advance. Uh, that like Michael's hand doesn't match previous Michael hands, so it might be this like imposter situation. <gasps> And that might be what's getting people rankled. Meaning he's not missing his fingers? Yeah, that some people were like, oh, no, notice this Michael, his hand would have damage on this hand by this point after the events of Halloween Kills. Oh, and so... Hmm. I they, wonder if that's just content, bad continuity. Yeah, that could I be think that's the case probably too. more likely. Because yeah. he also doesn't die at the end right. of part two, so you're going to have right. him in some form. It also seemed like one of those trailers where they... Um, the frames of the movie must be filled with so many like reveals yeah. like, Oh, like I still have it in my heart that Judy Greer could come back me too. So the fact that they weren't showing a lot of scenes from different places made me think, Oh, that's maybe because Judy Greer's bopping around in there and can, uh, let's dial that up real quick. Yeah. Can, can we take that little? Yeah. Turn? Um, it's the same hope I have for the Nev Campbell thing with the screen oh, yeah. movies that, this is all just a way to throw dirt in our eyes so we uh, are surprised when it ha- something else happens. I know that score. So this I thought looked cool because it looked like maybe, well, what do you think this is, 2022 or 78 here? Oh, good question. 22, I think. Okay. 
because since they're oh of course it is 2022 because this is the house of uh... come on let's go their saga ends That garbage disposal seemed like a reference to Halloween H2O. But there he's missing his two fingers. Oh, he was. Which stabbed him. Gorley, you always got the eye, the wig dar. I got the no, missing finger No, your perception dar. skills are good. But you yeah. know what? I'm realizing why I didn't recognize that because I watched um, this without the sound. I didn't want to wake up Amanda like early in the morning. I saw that without. <laughs> I, I mean, that teaser looks great. Yeah. But uh, so did the part two one. It kind of looks like um, that opening stuff looked like uh, The Strangers, which Leslie and I recently rewatched. Oh, yeah. I watched that not too long ago, too. I saw it once in the theater at the Beverly Center in like a shoebox kind of small theater, just me and one other person, and then like one person five rows behind us. And and you were hearing sounds like from other theaters in the multiplex mm. that would like startle you. Like I'd hear an explosion from another movie. And be like, ah. <laughs> uh, I but like I rewatched movie. The Strangers. That's a movie where. It's in the mold of a reverse camp where they, there's no levity yeah. whatsoever. There's not one yeah. single moment where even the characters have a moment between themselves that's like silly or I funny. do like that movie though. I love The yeah. Strangers. Oh my God. When I rewatched it, I was just really uh, taken by it. I'd forgotten how good it was. Amanda really likes home invasion movies. She mm-hmm. Those really scare her, but in a good way, she really likes those. So yes. those, those movies get me because they're believable you know yeah uh they're they're uh they're my faves too uh i wonder if home alone really uh put that into a generation <laughs> to the uh yeah, yeah um oh i was uh recently uh reflecting about what a huge hit home alone was uh-huh. and i did think i wonder if somebody was ever gonna write something like this i think home alone was the first Millennial charged, charged by millennial, powered by millennial blockbuster. Oh. Because he had these boomers who were having kids who were roughly at that point right. going to fall into the age of seven to 12, who was going to like dig this movie about a little kid on his own kicking ass. And then I was like, that same group. Seven years later, had now gone through puberty and was ready to love Titanic. Like that age, it's basically like if Macaulay Culkin had grown up and looked like Leonardo DiCaprio, he could have been our full, but it was like Macaulay Culkin is uh, who we project onto at age nine. Mm. And then when we're 17. Oh, interesting. Uh, what do you think were the key Gen X? Probably Star well, Wars, right? Yeah, for sure, Star Wars. But as, in terms of identifying, like you would with Home Alone, ET for me. Yes. He, and then uh, you know, like truly in keeping with form, Cloak and Dagger, because I was so bonded to Henry Thomas because of ET. Yes. And then having such a Walter Mitty like imagination as a kid and mm-hmm. wanting adventures to happen to me, Cloak mm-hmm. and Dagger really spoke to me. 
I wonder if you're um uh, um then Goonies. Your uh, uh bookends though, if it was like um those adventure movies, but then like uh uh platoon. Like I wonder how yeah. many Gen Xers at your age were becoming young adults by that point and that mm-hmm. something like that then becomes like I know it wasn't as big a success as Titanic. I'm just trying to think yeah, of the oh, like, oh, like the movies that held <laughs> a generation's like hand through oh, like Dead Poet Society, certainly. Ah, uh, yes. Um Yep. And then from my generation, especially you're getting into like singles and the kind of like yeah. grunge influenced movies, mm-hmm. reality bites, and then yeah, Tarantino. And then yeah. you're there, I think. Reality Bites was my um, you know how eight-year-olds, the uh, when eight-year-olds watch children's entertainment, they don't like to watch movies about other eight-year-olds. They like watching yeah. movies about teenagers because yeah. they get to imagine maybe that's what I get to be when I grow up. So I'll watch Saved by the Bell, as, yeah. even though I'm not that age. That was me for Reality Bites. I was oh, like yeah. 13, 14. I'm like, when I can have a house with my other 20 something friends. And then when I was living in my twenties, it was like, I was matching it up consciously to like reality bites. Oh, that's, that's the funny. standard that it had to live. But, but you were living it, buddy. Ah, uh, did yeah. you, did that? I, I, I have a question for you. Yeah. When reality bites came out, was it like, fuck this bullshit? Was that your attitude? Did it seem phony? No, for me, it was neither. I, and I, I wonder if that was just me. I think it worked for most people of that generation, but I I enjoyed it. I liked the comedy aspect of it. The mm-hmm. love triangle thing, the characters of Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke, I did not respond to at all because they yeah. felt both people that I didn't want in my life and mm-hmm. would not let into my life. That kind of either alpha or whatever, like yeah. just the, and and that someone that wears artistry on their sleeve that much kind mm-hmm. of made me gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. The the roommate, that group of friends thing I yeah, loved and the Steve's music on. and everything. And yeah, the feeling of that independence. But also Seattle just seemed a world away to me. Was that, was that where that takes place? Uh, uh, that, I don't know where it takes place. It's filmed in like a weird place like Houston, Texas or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe it's but not. I, whatever it, it is, like it was, it was urban. It's supposed to be like a... Uh, Seattle or Austin style. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was, I led such a suburban lifestyle that it was just, I didn't even connect to it in any way that felt like I was even adjacent to it really, even though I was basically that age, I guess. Yeah. 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 Maybe a little younger. Yeah. But Dead Poet Society hit me hard and it was part of it aspirational because I certainly didn't live a prep school life. Mm-hmm. But I was in Midsummer Night's Dream when that came out, and but I also wasn't feeling suicidal. So I just the romance of that movie of the East Coast prep school thing, and the like fall foliage and the yeah. like yearning for girls that age just killed me. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like the height of my own romanticism and not knowing how nuanced life was. It was just oh, it was just solidifying yeah. the black and whiteness of teenage yes. angst, which yeah. is beautiful to see in a movie reflected back at you, but stunted me for years, probably. <laughs> I, like, why can't I find favors. my wet cave with a candlestick to read poems in? Yeah, yeah. I, to this day, I still, I put Glenn on my shoulders and I recite that chant of them going 
<laughs> then I saw the Congo creeping through the butt, cutting through the jungle on a golden track. That movie has stayed with me. That's awesome. In a heavy ways. Yeah. My little um uh poetry and literature or plays getting to me as a as a young man was um because I was thinking about this uh recently about uh heard a story about an adolescent that was like, oh man. Adolescents, they got just these huge feelings that you're feeling so intensely and grown-ups have a hard time working through them the rest of their lives and you're trying to experience them for the first time and make some oh boy. Um, but I was very emo and I felt <laughs> things very in huge ways. Yeah. Emotions were just, yeah. feelings were great adventures <laughs> and i remember reading i never know how to pronounce the last name anna karenina or karenina yeah okay i was reading that and it's uh, actually anna karenina <laughs> you're like it's actually amy, karenina. <laughs> it's amy uh, kleinman uh there were times where i would read a passage that was so romantic uh-huh. and i would fill I would feel the love and passion fill up so intensely in my chest, Matt. I would have to set aside the novel and just take a moment and take a breath and emo out and work through it and then pick back up. I can't imagine ever. I know. I was just thinking that uh, as you were saying that. I mean, um, before I had Mary, actually, somebody said to me, What's awesome about having kids? You know, all those intense feelings you had when you were a teenager? He didn't know me. He was just saying, yeah. you know, because he knows people. Because you were a teenager. Yeah. yeah. You thought you'd never feel something intensely like that. You'll get to have those feelings again when you have a kid. And there are times where yeah. I'll lock into something. And look, uh, the reason I'm not feeling those intense feelings uh, in a relationship with my wife is because I was a grown up, but I was wise and I'm not an idiot who's like yeah. going bonkers at 15, like falling in love for the first time. I'm just saying like, uh, so maybe it's more about the like strange newness of an intense feeling is more what a child brings. But what do you think was the last piece of media that did that to you? Media, not humans. Yeah. Cause yeah, humans still can, especially yeah, our daughters and, and, Oh, and of course, my wife. I mean, what, yeah, I, mean, me what too, I said, yes, yes. I, I just meant in terms of but there, the different I mean, experience of when you're returns. 15 and an idiot. Yes. When you're a teenager, that's what Dead Poets Society did to me. I saw Glory, it moved me like that. E.T. did that to me. Yeah. And then, yeah, it probably becomes less and less because as you're right, you grow up and you can differentiate what's real and what's not. Damn. You know, it's funny because. The only things I can think of it, it sucks. It's like when they, when I get rattled, when I get like futz messed with, is like when a piece of art does that. And it's not the same as um, uh, falling in love, uh, uh, falling in love with a movie or, or um, yeah. I guess I did feel it. It wasn't Jack Frost. <laughs> music still can take me to a place where I, I can have a heightened feeling what about you the closest i can think of is there have been some tv shows that when they ended i missed the characters like i'm not gonna see my friends anymore Mm -hmm. so slings and arrows did that to me deadwood did that Mm -hmm. to me um uh, sandbaggers that old 70s show 
that was the closest, but, and it was just kind of a void was left in me, but it wasn't like I was moved to tears or tingles or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's a good cry is what I'm after. Um, yeah. When was the last time oh, I I've had cried like- a lot in the past few years during movies because I'm just an emotional wreck and, and on things that don't even deserve yeah. tears. But maybe, I think that's the part of it is that I can, I'm crying all the time with movies, but I I can tell the difference between the first time I cried at E.T. versus the time I'm crying at the end of Perfect Strangers where they have to give like a dog away. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But is, is it because when you're young, you still, I mean, generally, I think, especially when I was younger, I was so full of empathy. And then I think that kind of gets chipped away from you. And I yeah. remember my young, younger adult 20s and 30s, uh, I've said this before on the podcast, like I think I had a, a deficiency of empathy and there's when your selfishness kind of arises in your late teen years and you mm. take over the world in your mind, you know, and you know yeah. everything. And, and then in my forties, my empathy is returning in spades to the point where I can't watch certain things because it really saddens me. And, or, yeah. or I like, we watched love on the spectrum and I just can't keep dry eyes during that whole yeah. thing. Cause all I care about is that these people are happy. Yeah, I wonder if um hmm. we didn't get a lot of help with the stuff we were watching growing up of it being openly sincere and not seen as corny. Right. It was either good. melodramatic or cynical and yeah. you never got well balanced, especially in the nineties. It was yeah. all blockbuster or right. it was all kind of edgy. Yeah. And but, yeah. I know that this is uh, something I think vexed, um, not even a big reader of his or anything, but David Foster Wallace was always like, I think a little vexed by this of like, yes, we recognize empty kind of commercial um, sentimentality is bad. We've spent now 20 to 30 years being ironic about sentimentality. Yeah. yeah. Can we now find a point where we are sincere, possibly sentimental, but it's not corny. Yeah. And um, I think there's sometimes where I do think that, but it, when you said love on the spectrum, the other thing I was going to add to that and this kind of like, Oh, we weren't given a lot of sincere art to even like get that question asked to us. It, then it got mixed in with reality TV where it's mm -hmm. kind of like, then that becomes this weird, not weird. It just becomes a new container for your feelings. And, now entertainment is kind of yeah matched up against reality in a way now that gets like if you i'm just trying to or what is sincerity what is authentic what is real i'm just trying to think of like a movie that was unabashedly well slings and arrows this tv show i've mentioned before yeah. is that it is it wears its heart on its sleeve but in such a good way it's yeah. it's not corny it's not melodramatic but it is emotional it's funny and it's you you have to kind of give up a, put a little bit of your cynicism at the door because part mm. of it's supernatural too so you have to leave some willing suspension disbelief yeah. room and then what did i watch well, i guess ted lasso is what people say yes, about that too yeah, yes that's yes, true yes, yes, yes. that first season especially very yeah. it, it's it's sentimental but that's in this case it's not a bad thing usually that's a bad thing yeah the way i think like sentimental is also like kissing ass which is like Hey, as long as it's true, it's okay. Oh, <laughs> like, right. Yeah. If it, if the feelings are real and yeah. sentiment, it's not 
really that sentimental and if yes. you're saying a real thing when you kiss somebody's ass, it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's true. Give it a compliment. That's true. Yeah. It's funny that we're not <laughs> talking much about Bride of Chucky and we loved it so much, but I, I actually think there's a reason for that because that movie almost is better not talked about in scene. Yeah. Because- it's just a, a series of great little hits. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because to that point, I was thinking like um, the formula of these movies are so good that um, it's now even taking some of the stuff that like wasn't so good about the first, but it's still we like, like, um, like the, the end of these of Bride of Chucky ends like a, like all the other ones do, which is kind of, they're more like action thriller climaxes. Where yeah, like yeah. you go to one set piece and you're like, that set piece isn't over. We're moving on to the graveyard. Like, um, a lot of guns. So I, yeah, a lot of guns. So I did like that too of like, um, Oh, it's taken all the good stuff, the slasher components yeah. and then whatever action thriller stuff. This is a, a very I, 1998. Especially cause they, movie. they, when they squib Chucky, it's such a money shot in all these movies yes. where it's almost always profile lit from behind. So you yes. see the spray of the squibs and the dubbing of Brad Dorf is so perfect because it's like slightly slowed down and he's just going, and it's, it's no different than a Rambo movie, <laughs> except with the understanding that we're watching it with a different context. A little doll. Yeah. But it's done. Yeah. It's executed exactly the same. No pun intended. Somebody uh, in the comments, uh, the Patreon was just saying like about how, um, the thing they loved, they love watching these movies, uh, I think with a sibling and they, their favorite part was seeing Chucky get messed up at the end. Yeah. And it is like, uh, it's almost like, uh, not since, um, the crucifixion of Christ <laughs> has a piece of art, like that's so focused on how the body is like damaged and brought back together. In these uh, movies, they really want you to like explore when his, Plastic becomes flesh. Yeah. How it's torn apart, when it's like sewn back together is always yeah. the preoccupation of the beginning of the next movie. Yeah. Um, the uh, other movie that came out this year that um, would have fit into all this is Gods and Monsters. Oh, God. Because yeah. that has a whole Bride of Frankenstein. This was also That's the right. same year that uh, Bride of Frankenstein got uh, put in the National Registry. Oh, yeah. So uh, in 1998, you could go and see a movie, Gods and Monsters, about the making of Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, I want to see that again. You could go and see what movie was put in the National Registry, Bride of Frankenstein, and then you could watch uh, Bride of Chucky. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, um, What did you think of... Um, oh, like you said, this is one month after Child's yeah. Play 3. What do you think Andy and DeSilva are up to right now? While this adventure is going point. on. And and Kyle from part two, where's she? <laughs> yeah, we love Kyle. Andy and De Silva. What do you think's happening uh, a month after he left? Uh, after they had. Well, he's got to be really. <laughs> color <a> war <laughs> where somebody jumped on it, blew themselves up on a grenade. <gasps> he's got to just be reading the headlines of part four going, fucking thank God this has moved on from me. He's, Thank God I, Chucky I'm and assuming, Tiffany didn't choose me and De Silva as their little surrogate couple. 
thank God they drove to New Jersey and I'm here in <laughs> Chicago, life. I assume. Yeah. Well, it makes me happy to know that Andy's just kind of getting a rest right now and yeah. he doesn't have to deal with all this. Let, let that be somebody else's problem. This movie, though, has the a couple times where Chucky and Tiffany both get bonked when they're dolls and they don't get their revenge because I think Jesse bonks Tiffany when he brings her out of the, yeah. the trailer. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the way you can slight Chucky or Tiffany is either bonks on the head or being like, when they're in Oh, what's this doll going to do? This little piece of shit can't do it. Like in a way that nobody has ever spoken to a doll. You'd only ever say that if you knew it was going to be alive and attack you for your words. Right. I have never gotten so angry at an inanimate object as people do in these play movies. Although I, it was hilarious when Alexis Arquette, Fucks Chucky <laughs> like my fucks Chucky. I laughed at that. I laughed out loud at that. So now, Bradley's notes yes. that that was supposed to be Marilyn Manson, and that's why um, the joke later when they show him. I guess uh, this was in Bradley's note, but I, I didn't know that the. But in the news when they show him as a regular guy, I think that's supposed to be like a joke about how Marilyn Manson it is, had to be right. Yeah, is like under all the makeup, he's just this little dork. Yeah. Uh, if Marilyn Manson had been in this movie, it would have completely checked off all the boxes of the <sighs> a movie that starts with I know I know but there's something about Alexis Arquette that I love she, like, oh, she, she gets her lip ring ripped off Ooh. but the geyser Ooh. blood that's just pouring yeah. out the um that that was awesome and the uh 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 I mean the whole movie's really well cast. These child's play movies continue yeah. to be well cast. You get John Ritter, <sighs> you get Alexis Arquette um, the, uh, um, whoever that Lieutenant cop is that pulls them over to that grin on his face. Yes. Is amazing. Yeah. Uh, needle nose. She called him, uh, Catherine Heigl. Yeah. Uh, a young Catherine Heigl. The, um, and Jennifer Tilly, she's awesome. Huh? The, it's funny. The, her sister Meg yeah. is in psycho, uh, two, right. Um, which was directed which is written by the director of Child's Play. Yeah. Uh, but um, she, uh, I know her best from Bullets Over Broadway. Me too. Yeah. And she is amazing in that. There's a couple of lines in that movie when she's meeting people and she just goes, charm, 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 charm. Yes. And then there's a part where someone pulls like chicken out of their pocket and she just throws away under her breath, I love poultry. <laughs> I've been trying to watch that movie again. I know the Woody Allen thing is what it is, but if you're going to watch a Woody Allen movie, it's uh, all the, (laughs) listen to the words that were just about to come out of my mouth. All of the Miramax Woody Allen movies are hard to find, but it is, it's a lot of it has to do with that. I don't think Disney that owns these is like looking, how are we going to make a few extra bucks from Woody Allen and Harvey Weinstein? Um, yeah. The, uh, uh, or how are we going to line their pockets? Yeah, I get but it. But um, somebody was going to ask me, what Woody Allen movies can I watch without having hangups of the Woody Allen of yeah. it all? It would be uh, a Purple Rose of Cairo, because he's not in it, and it's a very sweet mm-hmm. and sentimental romance romantic comedy and then bullets over broadway nobody owns in it he's and, not in it and it's not it's not like a lot of his movies yeah it's and more it's, like his old school play it again sam things so you you're almost not thinking of him yeah it's like purple rose of cairo again yeah. where it's like a 
a little more screwball and yeah. uh, silly, so you don't have to have like the three scenes of the sixty-year-old man talking to the younger, you know, like yeah. the stuff that makes those movies such a colossal bummer now. Uh, the but she's so funny, and then Diane Weist oh, is so God. funny in Bullets Over Broadway. They both get to like just knock it out of the park with those because she has the whole uh, "Don't speak, don't speak, don't speak, don't oh. speak." Oh, sc- Scorpio. <laughs> um, the uh, 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 I do like the reconstruction though of the Chucky doll, like mm-hmm. all Frankensteined out. Uh, yeah, I know. I said earlier I don't like it, but um, just the design of it is very, very cool. So good. Um, I also like kind of the Friday, uh, um. Friday Thirteenth, the final chapter, part four, also has this really great opening twenty minutes where you're like, "Jason's not moving." I know I've seen enough of these movies that it is like they make the fun of the first twenty minutes of like, yeah. when is he gonna yes. finally yes. move? And yeah. the same with Child's Play four with the uh, Bride of Chucky. I yeah. love that. It took so long for him to finally did it. And then when he did, it was to uh, Alexis Arquette, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing that finally got him to talk was about. Don't insult the size of my dick. I know. Is the thing that makes Chucky finally speak up for himself. And they don't make a huge point of this, but, you know, he twists his head around to turn right. to talk to Alexis Arquette. And then when he goes to attack her, his body pivots the same way. Did you notice yes! that? Yes. What is that? Is it from the... Oh, so it'd be like if Reagan from The Exorcist, her head turned and yeah, then the body, and the body turned caught up. Yeah. Like a Rubik's Cube. Yes, yes. <laughs> And it's like you barely see it, but it's worth. You know what? I didn't notice that. That's really funny. Also, I don't think you're seeing like the full body of Chucky do that. But if they were to do a wide shot, it's like he's spinning on his ass. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm getting nobody knows this, but I'm getting such a great. Margo's been sitting on your lap for the past like 40 minutes. Yeah, she's had a tough couple of weeks, man. She's so happy in the lap of her master. She's happy because she's been peeing all over the house. Uh, is she happy now that she's no longer peeing in the house, or that she's still not no longer peeing in the house? I it think happens. Until we've we've got her on some flea stuff, and they're slowly dying away. But until they do, she won't touch the floor. So she runs from place to place. We looked it up online. It's called the Zoomies. Oh yeah, not to d- be confused with the Munchies. We're the zoomies. We're the zoomies. And she'll and run from zoomie. high place to high place. <laughs> but yeah, oh. our um, we've learned about the zoomies too because of our our dog gets the, our puppy oh. gets the zoomies at the end of the day if she hasn't been walked enough. She oh. has a little pent up in it. Hey, don't we all get the zoomies a little bit? Um, but poor Margot, mm. I do. The pet that existed before the child and exists after the child. It's a hard life for a pet. Yeah, it's it, a real it's, transitionary period. Cause it's one I don't envy. Bren has gone full seat of Chucky for Margot right now and just wants to squeeze and pull. And Do you know what her. I feel like their legacy is, though? Like, my parents had a dog that lived and died before I was born, but was around when my sisters were born. Mm. And so there will be pictures where, like, Look at someone. Uh, I forget the name. Um, Patches, I think, or something like that. Patches in the picture. Like, I do think, like, um, glad might grow up. It might not 
necessarily have the firmest memories yeah. of Margot, but Margot will live on. It's oh, like, certainly. remember Margot? Yeah. She was around when you were born, and these are pictures of her before you were born. It's like a nice little gift that I think a pet could give. There was a cat named BC in our family that was around when we were little that neither my sister or I really remember, but everybody talked about. Yeah. Before children? No. Is that what BC stood for? Bitchin' cat. And my mom wouldn't tell me that for years. I go, what does BC stand for? Well, because it's so confusing. We've talked about it. Is that word naughty or not? I know. Yeah, I hear it on TV. It so sure it is naughty when Chucky says it into the, the speak and say or whatever that is. I forget. Yeah, he's doing the speak and say. And, uh, they, you going, don't know women. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Chucky so- is a Spencer's gift keychain <laughs> come to life or like a truck stop... <gasps> Hat, like, oh, uh, yeah. if you can, um, or a bumper sticker, or whatever. The he's if a, you can read this, the bitch fell off. He's uh, a boomer email forward written in large, colorful type. I mean, that is probably the Brad Doris character's unconscious, is probably the shared unconscious of most boomer who are forwarding joke emails. 100%. And Tiffany's too for the women. Boys. Yes. Yeah. The, Just do the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. Charm to charm. A little bit of poultry. Poultry. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just so uh, wise uh, to cast her because if half the performance is going to be her voice. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a little like when somebody, uh, an animated cartoon will be like uh, with the voice talents of Catherine Heigl. I know. You're, you're like, like, what? Huh? Why? James Marsden. Yes. What? No, but with Jennifer Tilly, you know what you're getting. And, and according to Brantley's notes, Brad Dourif and Jennifer Tilly improvised so much that there wasn't even plans for a love scene, but they started improvising a love scene. So they put it in the movie. I mean, that's <laughs> they had to do it inspired. because they improvised it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two Im- Oscar nominees. I know. Imagine are these lead characters. I just would love to see the footage of the two of them. I'm assuming at Mike's together. And yeah, apparently he, this was written with Jennifer Tilly in mind, given to the manager. The manager is like, no way. And so they brought the Chucky doll to the manager and entertained him so much that he decided to read the script, liked it, passed it on to Jennifer Tilly, and that's how it happened. <laughs> Perfect. That's good. That's good. You, that's amazing. That's fortuitous. Yeah. When when Chucky and Tiffany are on the scene and they're talking to each other, it does give me like Kermit and Miss Piggy vibes. It like does, when I watch yeah. it, like this makes me so happy. Harry and Sally. Yes. Like all the great couples, Sam and Diane, <laughs> Maddie and uh David from Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, Oh, somebody's line of ooh, you're gonna get it. Somebody goes, uh Chucky, he's so eighties, he's not even scary. I think uh, is yeah. maybe um Yeah. Uh, handcuffing someone to a bed is a very dip- uh, particular type of kink. Yes, from a t- particular time a time period. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what do you think of that CGI spider though? A little corny. Yeah, I don't know what they need on that spider. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now the lip ring thing was dope though. Yeah. Um. Now you, this little trope that I like. 
that cops do uh, in movies where they're like, I think Ben Stiller might have done a sketch about this on SNL where it was like the cops who only use pop culture references. Like So like in this scene, a guy pulls over and he goes... Okay, easy, Boogie Nights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the cop later goes, hey, if we want to screw you over, we can add something to your file that makes it look like you're Christian Slater on New Year's right. Eve. Right, and I was like, he must have gotten busted for drugs or something? Two months before they filmed that? That is such yeah, a specific that is, uh, bad boy. Frozen in amber, that joke. Christian Slater on New Year's Eve. I guess he was maybe, yeah, he was known as a Coke guy or something. A partier dude. I know that he had that thing where, like, he, didn't he, like, tear up a hotel and, like, bite the back of a woman or something like that? Or maybe that's Marv Albert. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Now that joke would have flown. Then the movie just becomes, like, the... uh, like a John Waters movie. Yeah. When, when they're at the trailer by park, design for sure. And she's like pulling out the trunk with the dead body. And yeah. Oh, totally by, yeah. by design. And I think John Waters maybe later appeared. In the I think, yeah, yeah. Cause he was a fan. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, again, I love it just cause it's not, I'm not watching a retread of a slasher movie. This yeah. does feel like a, at least different points of view are, mm-hmm. are making it. Uh, the, um, the, how she's correct. Uh, do you know you get created by something when you're electrocuted with a TV that's playing the movie that inspired I, it? I do now. I did not know that prior to this. If you had to have a little TV playing the movie that falls in the bathtub that is going to inspire what you become, mm. what, what would it be? What do you want played on the TV? And no Christian Slater movies, please. Okay, you're yeah, right. Uh well, I guess I I guess it'd probably sadly be pretty predictable, like a James Bond or maybe Han Solo or something. These are all aspirational. So, which James Bond movie would you most want to be like sucked into? Well, like I, Stay Tuned, starring John yes, Ritter. Okay, right. <laughs> so, I think it would for me. It would be I would want it to be a fun one because I don't want to mm-hmm. live in a dismal dark. As much as my mm-hmm. Craig's are my favorite movies, yeah. I don't want to lose Vesper Lind. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> I, I, boy, I, I guess I'd go maybe live and let die. Hey, or I don't know. That one's got a pretty bad colonial feel to it. Maybe <laughs> you wouldn't to, want to live in that problematic universe. No, maybe view to a kill. Cause also, I mean, I'm pretty spry at, at 57. That's the life you want. Yeah. Yeah. Or spy who loved me, even though I don't love that movie. The Spy Who Loved Me was the one I first thought Matt would want to go into. Not necessarily because you like the movie, but just it seems like it's it's breeziest. Yeah, it's breeziest. But there is part of me that maybe actually living daylights because you actually do get the taste of a kind of Fleming Le Carre Cold War spy Mm -hmm. thing, but also everything ends up pretty pretty well. So it's like in Total Recall when they're like, "Would you like the yeah so and so adventure?" You you would want the Living Daylights because you get some action. You want to be scared, yeah, yeah. In Spy Who Loved Me, Roger Moore is just Teflon. He doesn't ever get afraid of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about you? Ooh, I'd want the movie Bride of Chucky. So I would turn into a woman who turns into a bride. No. (laughs) 
It is weird when she becomes the doll becomes like you see the fingernails like grow and stuff in her fleshy yeah. now rubber flesh hands. Yeah. Do you have a a rubber? I am. I'm all rubber. Uh, this is where I realize now it is improv because she goes. This is a total, we know improv. This is an improv move. She goes, yeah. I thought you were plastic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because that is what somebody would say. You yeah. go, well, we're having fun with this. Uh, actually, are you rubber or are you plastic? Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, all gone it. What was I going to say about uh, uh, the TV? Oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah. You asked. Uh, Where do people get to be in a cozy uh, room for two hours? Good point. And there's no obstacles whatsoever. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Excluding his death, I think if I had Michael Caine's life in Children of Men, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, I'm trying to remember. He has that nice house. He has a little secret hideaway. They have to go and oh, you, in the woods. you put a little card and then some leaves and trees part. Again. And then yeah. you go in and it's a room full of books. Yeah. And he's got a joint. He's hanging out. He's right. talking to people and having a nice time. That seems like a <laughs> yeah. nice life. To that end, I'd take Michael Lonsdale's little chalet in Ronin where he's just painting samurai figures. <laughs> That's a good life too. Or Michael Lonsdale in Munich, where he's just living in that <laughs> French farmhouse with his family, just eating family style meals. Or day. like Rambo at the beginning of Rambo two or three, Where, wherever somebody is when they're living a life of peace after yeah, after right. chaos or whatever, they're like, yeah, to exist there where they're just like, yeah, painting pewter. Luke on uh, his island in Force Awakens. Yeah, do you think? That happened, uh, like, at the end of Return of the Jedi, after the big group shot where they're all laughing, he was like, okay, guys, peacing out. Then he just, like, got a little spaceship and flew to the island. No, because he did that whole Jedi training school, and it was the incident with Kylo Ren that made him retire. Yes, yes. Yeah, serious. A Kylo Ren, Ren, a Kylo Ren. Met him at church. And he sang a hymn, Kylo Ren, Ren, Kylo Ren. <laughs> That's how you do it, right? You sing the person's <laughs> name. In the song. Uh, uh, I loved when she came to life and Blondie's Call Me oh. kicked in. That's a high point of this movie. Really? Great needle drop. Um, you know, you put Blondie in anything and I'm listening. Yeah, I'm, the I'm, Call Me is used, uh, hey... This could be a world I'd want to be playing on a mini TV that falls into a bathtub that I get electrocuted in. Uh, American Gigolo. Oh, yeah. And I thought even maybe, I didn't know if this beginning was a reference to American Gigolo. Because American Gigolo, call me, he's playing while he's getting dressed and ready to go out to be a a John. It might be, yeah, Um, it might be. But I love, uh, there's some scenes where Richard Gere is just walking around Westwood and sitting outside beautiful like Westwood brick buildings and having like a cappuccino with somebody. I, I haven't seen that since. If I ever have, I need to watch that. Um, yeah, we should just have a backyard screening where we invite your whole neighborhood over and I'll introduce it. I'll be like, Matt, really? What did you all to watch this movie where Richard Gere's dick could be seen? Like, we know, we know. Cut to it. Get to that part already. <laughs> what are we waiting for? Filler. 
another line in um, Chucky's uh, uh, could be put in his shithead. Like, what do you? She's like, I think they make a romantic, a beautiful couple. And he goes, I give it six months, three if she gains weight. I know. God. Truck stop, Chucky. So he's back. It's so funny in spite of itself. Yeah. Uh, also, that uh, um, his voice, like as the movies get cranked up, Doris' performer gets not performance gets notched yeah. up. This is even more Nickel City. Yeah, and, uh, I love it. Rye. Um, now the and the the. F- prosthetics or the the animatronics are getting more expressive so the delivery is becoming so much more human and and lands yeah this one way yeah. more than the others for me well and i'm what i'm curious like um stuff like when he says uh she says that is so stabbings are so 90s yeah what are you martha stewart with that thing yeah. or when he makes the joke about it's a love story that's so great. It would at least need three or four sequels to even tell it. It'd be if it was a movie, you'd need three or four sequels. I do think Don Mancini would be capable of writing those types of lines in a child's play movie. But do you think they would exist post Tarantino, post Scream? Like I, when I hear that stuff, I'm like, uh, probably not. Yeah. So that is like really of it's a. Uh, Time. I'm not mad at it. It's just no. Um, those are big. Yeah, calling it out. Um, did you notice the? Um, oh, just a, the spine of this movie is so crazy. Yeah, you would never tell a story this way. No, that's what I'm saying. It's like becomes a road movie, but then they'll entirely stop. So a, a character their old friend can come and meet them up on the road. John Ritter is killed at the beginning to have him pop buck. There's so many. I agree. That's what I'm trying to get at with Don Mancini's screenwriting is he's all character. Yes, you're right. And and id. Yeah. And id. And, and yet what he seems to lack in traditional structure still works Mm -hmm. for him. And I just don't know how these movies got past the studio. I know. I wonder if it helps when you are the godfather of the original movie. You just get a little bit more elbow room to do your thing or yeah. people trust you with it or who knows what was going on. Horror it's movies like, are back and they're making a bunch of money. So Universal says, don't we own yeah. Chucky? Why don't we get him to write a new Chucky movie? Let him do whatever he wants. But yeah, they you would never tell a story in it this shouldn't work. way. It shouldn't, it shouldn't work. work. Yeah. I mean, it, you saying though that it comes from the characters? That's um, all great character piece yeah. movies. They work. You don't care where the story goes as long as the characters are doing things that feel right. And uh, What's for that, them. that adage about Raiders of the Lost Ark that the whole movie could happen without him? Yeah. The, the thing would have been taken, opened, Nazis would have had their faces melt off. All of that would have happened if Indiana, but... It it uh, exudes so much yeah. charm. Um, I I've recently gotten into uh, just Eddie Murphy movies. Oh, bringing me movie star of movie stars. Yeah, love watching him. Cracks me up. Beverly Hills Cop is one of my all time faves. Oh, uh, did you know uh, Igmar uh, Bergman 
when he died and they like cleaned out his vacation house, he had a copy of Beverly, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh my God. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah. it is the good. most feel good. When I watch it, every scene is like perfect for that movie. It's incredible. Um, not so perfect as the golden child. Watch that recently myself. Yeah. I watched it a couple nights ago yeah. and, and I was reading, um, Eddie Murphy's, uh, response and Eddie Murphy's very cool because he's one of, um, uh, Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby were black entertainers that broke through in the eighties and it's just huge ways, but they weren't calling out the game. They weren't kind of like making white audiences think about racism. Eddie Murphy was there from the beginning, just being like, when the golden child came out and people were like, this is preposterous. I read an interview with him where he was like, I saw Indiana Jones tie himself to a submarine <laughs> and go underwater. And he comes, and none of you had any problems with yeah. that shit. What is your hang up about me doing uh, fantasy movies? And then also um, in a, a years predating um, um, when the academies got called out for, their racist voting block. Right. He did a went up when he presented Best Picture in 1989, and uh, Eddie Murphy was like, "The Academy Awards are racist. You guys are crazy. You haven't nominated. You've uh, there hasn't been a a a, a black uh, Oscar winner in uh, ten years, and the before that, fifty years. Uh, so um, that is a uh, all to say." to talk about yeah Raiders of the Lost Ark is a bad movie <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need him at any point and that subway thing was preposterous uh, but um, what's your favorite uh, so is Beverly Hills Cop your favorite Eddie Murphy just to, to close the tab on this Eddie Murphy probably Coming to America is pretty good too Coming to America we watched that before the new one came out I was just filled with joy yeah. It's so good. Yeah, those two are up there. I think I lean a little more towards Beverly Hills Cop because mm-hmm. it's just also a really good action movie. Yeah. And the I just love the villains and mm-hmm. the other characters. Good detective story too. Yeah. I, yeah. That movie is a perfect movie for yep. me. Yeah. Maybe hey, maybe we just have a day where we watch Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, I would do have that. A laugh. I saw that in the theater when I was a kid. Okay. So I was going through box office mojo. And did you know Beverly Hills Cop is the highest grossing movie of 1984? Yeah. It beat Grem- uh, Ghostbusters yeah. um, and Temple of Doom. I know. I mean, and, it's a phenomenal. And I looked at the box office mojo and I, th- I'm not saying this explains why it was a phenomenon. I'm just see why it had the legs it could. It came out in December 84. I don't know if you remember this. And then it just ran until summer of 85, just over and over again. And I was like, was there just kind of a dearth of good movies that first like six months in 85 that people, if you were a high schooler and you're like, let's just go out and watch Beverly Hills Cop again. It's an awesome movie. We'll laugh yeah. and we'll get to see a fun I, action there movie. There must have been. Yeah. And people love part two and I like it too. Yeah. But I definitely can see a difference between his performance in the first one and the second yeah. one. The second one is too self-aware. It's still really good. Yeah. And, but it's, it's, it's too much. Everyone on set, you can tell, had a feeling of go, Eddie, go. Yeah. Where that was present in the first one, yeah. but it was discovery it's as opposed discovery. to a, like, now do that thing you're doing. It's a, uh, 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 the first one is like, oh my God, we got this bottle. We got this lightning. Yeah. We're going to do it. We got it. Whereas like part two is like, yeah, 
we built the bottle. We got yeah. this lightning. Let's just get to the set and make it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happens a little bit with Beverly Hills Cop 2 is like the, um, a little bit of the Roseanne and Ricky Gervais thing where they forget that the, um, yeah. the, the working class thing is the thing that makes an audience endear you to him. Yeah. It's so funny because uh, it's just the Beverly Hills Cop. You see a guy in a sweatshirt walking around Beverly Hills Cop and you're like, that he looks so much cooler than everybody else. With this, it's like, it starts with him in Detroit and he's driving a flashy Beverly yeah. Hills style car in a Beverly Hills style suit in Detroit. Yeah. And it's the joke is like, now he's Beverly Hills. I was like, that's not why I watch a Beverly no. Hills cop. No. I want to see him be a little wise ass. And the third one, I mean, it's up there in top 10 of sequel drop off. Abysmal. Just, I mean, um, you know, the onset of the first one, it was, Hey, we kind of wrote an action thriller movie here. Because it was written for Stallone. Yeah. Or he he was the vehicle attached. Or so you can just see how they're finding just comedy and yeah. scenes of, hey, this would normally go this way. What if it now? Um, with part three, the stories are John Landis was on set and being like, okay, so let's come up with some funny business here. And Eddie Murphy was like, I don't think Axel is like funny anymore. He doesn't make these jokes. He doesn't like, he's not... He takes his job seriously now. And so you when you watch Beverly Hills Cop 3, it's like, oh, this would have been if Beverly Hills Cop had stuck to the action book and also yeah. not even been good as actor. <laughs> yeah. But the irony is that the first one is shot like an action movie. It yeah. looks like an action movie. The third one is shot like a child's comedy. It looks like John Landis movies that yeah. are these kind of like, yeah, storybook kind of brightly lit. Uh, comic movies. I mean, I love his style too, but it's not Oof. the uh, um, who's the guy who did the first one who did Midnight Run. Oh, and, uh, um, he's awesome. Um, uh, why can I never remember his name either? Aforementioned Meet Joe Black director. Would you? Uh, it's not Michael. Is it what? Uh, it's a one syllable last name. Yep. And he was originally the director <sighs> of War Games, and he got fired off that. I'm Martin gonna, Brest. Martin Brest. Which we should have remembered because his last name is one of our favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken breast. <laughs> um, Wait, so real quick, what are yes. the greatest sequel drop-offs just top top of mind? You don't. Have, we don't have to go into a long tab on this, but for me, it's- No, that's great. I love it. Beverly Hills Cop 3, Arthur 2, Arthur on the Rocks. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's Arthur to me is a perfect movie, mm. and that second movie is- unbelievably bad worth watching because it's crazy for it's because don't they bring a guy back from the dead yeah john gilgood is a ghost yeah that's why they didn't have curly why jack palance play curly Uh, in the second one and had him play his brother yeah because they were like oh we could do a ghost but it didn't work in arthur too truly yeah oh i read i remember what they learned yeah smart uh well it's tough because you know, we talked about this with like Child's Play 2 when a movie loses the talent. So is the sequel bigger? Like, I'd put Halloween Kills in there, sadly. Yeah. Just just in terms of... Because it sounds of- to you like when the residue... It's not like Teen Wolf 2 is the drop-off for you because that's like, well, Michael J. Fox isn't even around yeah, to it, see the embarrassment right. that this has become. Yeah. it And same with like for you, The Sting 2... 
might not necessarily because right. you're not having to see the indignity of Paul Newman. It's the indignity of having to see. Yeah. When they're really trying to keep the thread and the yeah. canon alive and it just tanks. You would rather watch um, Dumb and Dumber 2 than Dumb and Dumberer than Dumb yeah. and Dumber 2. I don't know. Probably. Hey, I got a Dumb and Dumber take a one. You got it. I'm going to do a pee break. break spin on Dumb and Dumberer 2. Uh, Dumb and Dumberer 1. Hmm? Huh? We'll okay. be right back. With Corley and Rust. With Corley and Rust. Well, home stretch. Home stretch. Uh, now, uh, that song when they when they go, the kids go meet uh, at that like hangout area. Oh yeah. Um, there's a part where some music's playing and uh, I don't know if you heard the lyrics. I had the captions on, so I no. got to see um, this music's playing. That's just the most paint by numbers, algorithmy, Nirvana yeah. sounded like this is what the lyrics were. I'm lonely and sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lonely, pause, and sad. That, to me, is camp. That's perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd like to imagine that's like a like a funny guy in his late 50s who wrote that song. I was like, this is funny. I'm or making, like the musical the- director said, write me Kurt Cobain's last song. <laughs> and this is what the guy in his 50s thought it would be. <laughs> Listen to Lithium. Yeah. Now try to write your version of uh, that. Uh, now, Chucky, he, he, he smokes a joint. Mm-hmm. Did you... Th- I was thinking about it. Like, Chucky was probably... Charles Lee Ray was probably a bad boy. He had to be. Well, he means... Yeah. Oh, well... So... I love that joke, though, that Tiffany has of... I kill people, but I only sleep with one man. Love it. <laughs> Her code of honor. Yeah. Uh, that he, um, I was thinking like, oh, this is probably a guy who liked boozing and sure. drinking and snorting and shooting. Mm-hmm. Even this guy was probably, but little Chucky, since he's been Chucky, he's just been walking around all sober. Yeah. He can't get <laughs> like, in, I but... noticed when he took the puff of the joint, I was like, this is the first time I've seen Chucky uh, yeah. not sober. Well, it's the first time he's gotten laid and it's the first time he's had drugs. <laughs> this is Chucky's rub Springer. He owes Tiffany quite a bit. Yeah. He's not very thoughtful. No. The, um, uh, now, I did want the, um, there's a funny part that would have been great in a theater when the stoner like sees Chucky and Chucky flips with the bird and the, yeah. the stoner goes, rude fucking doll. <laughs> I, I was, I wanted the moment where he's like, he sees a doll, flip him off and then he takes the hit of the joint and then looks at the joint like, yeah. what am I, I got to then throws it out the window. <laughs> that, they messed that up. That's there's the one. that take in so many movies because there's that in a Bond film where it's in, the first one is in Spy Who Loved Me when the submarine car comes out of the ocean onto the beach and the guy's just drinking wine. He sees it and he looks at his wine and then he appears in the next two films <laughs> doing the same thing. <laughs> is he... Uh, playing the same guy, do you yeah, think? Yeah, just some... I love that they keep coming back to him like, nope, he still hasn't gotten help. 
<laughs> Still needs treatment. <laughs> we have a fan theory at Collider that all of James Bond exists in this one alcoholic's mind. It is DT's rattled braid. And we are here for it. Oh my God. You know how to make my skin oh, crawl. I know. And why did. Um, and how does Chucky uh, keep his rampage going? <laughs> Because voodoo. And zero fucks were given that day. And that's why Chucky <laughs> is everything. <laughs> um, the um, Now, was the Niagara Falls thing? That's kind of like a cheeky honeymoon destination yeah, that's, joke, that right? Yeah, it was either Disney World or Niagara Falls is where everybody went for their honeymoon. Especially if they were a contestant on a game show. Yeah, so what... It's just why if they were the affordable cliche like destination locations that you could go do. Is there any kind of like gushing forth symbiology that's supposed to be happening oh, there? Like of all just all the places you could you go. Mean, you're talking about a giant cliff jizzing? Yeah, like yeah. oh while the guy while the waterfall is gushing, just you know, two meters over is a hotel room with a guy going. For the first I don't time. know what's chicken and what's egg, but yeah, there there were honeymoon hotels all over there, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think I first knew about it from Superman too. Me too. Um, but a lot of it's probably myth and just got taken yeah. over by the culture. I mean, those are my favorite things on earth. Yeah. It's just like America has this thing of we honeymooners like to go to Niagara Falls is like the best. I know. And that the, the hotel's called honeymoon suites, but it's S W E E T S. Now, how did that other couple who came in, they just kind of barged in, right? I was trying to get my bearings on uh, what I was guess happening it's there. You know, some hotel rooms have adjoining doors. If you want for your children or something, I, I see. Yes. That's the best I could figure. And they, uh, this added to the, um, um, uh, uh, the aristocrats version of, uh, remember I said with Child's Play 3, like the barber is like the aristocrats version of the oh, guy yeah. who has to just be gross and be killed. Yeah. Like they, like the detail they put yeah. on this couple of like, they're newlyweds, but they want to have, they want to be swingers on their honeymoon night. Um, yeah. And they're <laughs> stealing money. and But their death was amazing. Yeah. I love that death. That was pretty uh, certainly original. And I didn't see it coming because I thought the mirror was just there for them to see Tiffany. Yeah. And, and then when she throws the, sh I thought she's going to kill him with the champagne or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Me too. It was original. It was surprising. It fits in with the movie that it's a, you know, it's a, a Bride of Chucky movie where a newlywed couple has a wedding mm -hmm. chapel mirror on the ceiling, kill somebody that all. And then that pops the waterbed and they bleed enough to turn all the water. Water. Around. Oh, that. Uh, uh, probably was the grossest part of the movie for me was when the waterbed yeah. gushed like blood water. And then Kathy Najimy is your maid that comes in and cleans it up. Brilliant. And the Jimmy cameo. I was not expecting that. I, uh, I wish she had given there had a bigger part. Yeah, and like or a bigger line, moment for her. She had a one liner that was seemed like it could have been workshopped. <laughs> yeah. I forget what it was, but something like. I got to clean that up. Yeah. Do you know she, um, she's taking herself more seriously now. She's known as, um, Catherine James. Yes. <laughs> That's what I was going for. 
Thank you. <laughs> Did you know she played the original Catherine to Jimmy Bond? Um. <laughs> uh, so then, oh, did you know Chucky's, I like the little satire there where Chucky's listening to the radio of somebody going, and violence in movies today. Yeah. Like, what's this shit? He turns yeah. into heavy metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I had to show like a 10 second clip to show what Brian and Chucky would, yeah. would be that. Um, now, uh, John Ritter with nails in his face. Uh, that, that just, you know, oh, 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 oh. I liked it when, um, or I found it curious. The guy who was the honeymoon couple, he goes, Chucky, I remember him, the good guy doll. Yeah. Well, his name was Chucky because Charles Lee Did he Ray, say Chucky? Yeah. I wonder if he remembers because of all the news. There was so much news about the killer Chucky, even if it was in the boy's imagination. So he's doing some kind of misremembering thing. you're probably thing. right. It's probably just a... But it would just be like, he should just go, oh, a good guy doll. I remember these. He goes, oh, Chucky. I remember these. A good yeah. guy doll. It seems like everybody had a Chucky. Right. Not true. <laughs> no. Um, did you like it when um, I said the sex scene is the definition of the camp, pretending to be having sex while, I mean, like having silhouettes of two puppets yeah. rubbing up against each other. But that's when um he says, I'm getting to be like Pinocchio here. Meaning he has a wooden dick, dick and his nose? no his penis grows when he lies. <laughs> uh, reminds me of my uh first husband. <laughs> Seems like his penis would grow when he lied too. What? I got no swings to time. <laughs> If you did a Pinocchio meets Wayne's World <laughs> mashup that everybody's that's, been dying for. That's the only way that sentence could happen. <laughs> um, I feel like RVs only show up in campy horror movies, so to speak, I guess. Do you ever see like a RV in a, in a plane? It's Well, The Hills Have Eyes, I think, has an mm. RV. But like mm. Troll 2... Friday the 13th, part six. I feel like a lot of times RVs are, or, you know, lost in America is a comedy. Like the look of an RV, yeah. it seems to be so silly that people can't right. really pull off a funny. I think uh, you're right. But mm -hmm. I think that could be scary. Lethal Weapon 2. Has a tra uh, RV. Doesn't he? Doesn't he surfboard? live? In, he lives. No. He oh. lives in one. Yes. Is that a it's not trailer? An RV, it's a trailer. You're right. Um, because trailers also kill Bill, I guess too, has a good mm. trailer fight sequence, but that's played for laughs as well. I mean, it's supposed to be kind you're of funny. Right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, RV with Robin Williams or whatever yeah. that was called. I mean, I guess that's a drama. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that RV in the poster hanging on the peak of that mountain, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, I can't see that movie. I'll never catch my breath. Um, What's going on with why they have to exhume his body? Because the amulet's there, but why are do they hear on the news 
that it was because they found his fingerprints on some other scene crime crime scene thank you okay but also the one guy is digging the grave and he digs like a eight foot perimeter around the <clears throat> coffin in a perfect square that guy is doing more work he, than yeah. needs to or he, he's getting paid by the dig yeah by the shovel load yeah by the shovel load yeah. well uh, you know i actually did a 552 <laughs> shovels i actually kind of needed that why am i doing the guy from Caddy's? What am I going to do? Go home to my wife? <laughs> um, so that's okay. Now that makes sense. Um, yeah. Then very smart. The young couple figures out a way to turn Chucky and Tiffany against each other. Yes. By being like, I don't think she's a good homemaker. Yeah. You like Chucky bossing you around that way. You, you, he doesn't do your dishes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that was my favorite scene of the movie Me too. is when she was like pulling up the little like uh tray of, yeah. or the hot was that cookies. pan of cookies yeah, and sheet, stuff. yeah sheet pan and like the boys are talking with each other in one yeah. area the girls and gals are yeah. talking they just became such a funny weird little twisted movie. i could rewatch that scene over and over uh the shovel fight was good too yeah uh i love like that would have been another to be in a full house on opening night when <sighs> the Chucky and Tiffany are fighting each other with shovels and it goes into that overhead shot of, and it looks like a uh, little people in costumes yeah. like fighting each other, yeah. which is a cool little way of getting around it. Yeah. Cause it maybe look kind of silly if it was on the ground level, it but works. when you look above it, it looks cool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she kills him, but Tiffany stabs him. But one thing we know, you can't ever trust a Chucky to die. No He's way, always going to come back. Um, there was my last LOL was when that detective came up and looked in the hole and he sees this little doll with like a knife, like running around inside this hole. And he goes, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> that guy was really good. Really funny. Yeah. And when those two detectives pop up on the news earlier, I was yeah. like, Oh, I remember Child's Play one that had detectives who cared about. Oh, right. Like it's such a funny like thing. It's weird to think Chris Sarandon's still out there. His character's still out in the world. <laughs> yeah, and his buddy, Chris yeah, Sarandon's company, right. both of them could come up and oh, be like, yeah. "Yeah, we think we maybe know what's going on with this Charles Lee right thing." We could back you up. So that means Chucky's fingers turn into fingerprinted Charles Lee Ray fingertips. Is that what's happening? His body is fully... Oh, I was assuming they just found something uh, from prior, but I think you're right. Wow. To think about what's going on, like, you know, earlier when she can make eggs and Chucky can make... That means while this is all happening, inside, all along, are these organs kind of like slowly being built and like processed yeah. and made. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. It's like slim good body. But not their skin. Yeah, their skin doesn't... Like their face and their skin are, are not really turning human. Hmm. What do you? Huh? No, no need to dig deep. No, I it's... know it's just a uh, oh, because um, he'd have a constant headache from the staples in his head. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, like, oh, it's cool when a movie can get you to identify with somebody you don't normally identify. You know, the big example with in the movies we watch is like, oh, it's cool that. Teenage boys can watch Halloween and think that they're Lori. Mm. And that's a yeah. an achievement in itself that that movie gets a boy to yeah. view things through a woman's point of view. Um, same thing with like, 
there's a point where Tiffany goes like about Chucky or she, she wishes she had the human boy and she's like, I wish I had a real good guy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, Oh, what I was going to say was if, if partly what we're kind of like going to be clocking in the child's play movies is this like slowly growing, um, uh, uh, a gay, sensibility that is being clearer yeah. as, as the movie goes on. It, I guess it's just good to track that the boyfriend who's kind of used as the fake boyfriend of the beginning yeah. is, they don't come out and say that he's a gay character, but I think oh, it's he's clear, coded yeah. that you're, yeah, you're supposed to, well, cause he talks to, yeah, about a relationship. That's right. Too, yeah. yeah. Um, but I thought it was, Again, in terms of um, audience identification and point of view, there's a point where that character is the audience. Yes. He's the one who's like going like, you guys are weird. What's going on? He's also the one who's the best at investigating. Like he sees right. that John Ritter's body is in there. Uh, his ending is so bonkers I where know. like, if you look back on the last five seconds of his life, he thought his friends were killers found out there's living dolls and they get hit by a truck and exploded. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of wish maybe I would change in this movie that he gets to go along to the end. It did seem like that's kind of what these movies are headed or it should have been. It's kind of like, I hadn't thought about it this way, but if the movie had ended where it would have been a little bit more right on in this movie that's called Bride of Chucky about... Oh my God, these breeders, they love to get together with their little traditions of yeah. weddings and chapels and all this bullshit that like they're overcomplicating it. It would have been a nice little ending if the straight hetero couple didn't really pull it off and it was through the work of their like gay friend. I, well, I thought yeah. the way for sure it was heading was that yeah. the when they introduced the boyfriend and that the the gay boy had to kind of like do this ruse. Mm -hmm. I thought for sure the boyfriend was going to be an asshole. And that was another left turn that yeah. this movie took that I didn't expect. And that could have easily happened and the boyfriend should have been killed by the truck. And then you have. Right. Yeah. The, the gay friend and Catherine Heidel. And her original friend who you saw as the yeah. first couple in the beginning. Now it's. That would have been cool. Now yeah. it's coming back to them and they are a couple, but they're not pretending to be a prom couple. They're friends who yeah. are going to destroy Chucky. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, uh, that detective sticks around and he's the one who sees the ending moment. <laughs> it's funny that it's him and not, I know this character. I mean, again, again it's, it's the bad shit kind yeah. of weird, it's, Somebody who's just writing the movie they want to write. There's they like introduce ten percent trauma. Yes, you know that's just just randomness that is that works. It's got a life to it that keeps yeah. you keeps you guessing a little bit. Yeah, they. The, that's a good way of looking because at these are kind of like the, higher budgeted trauma movies. Yeah, yeah, the two lovers have been shocked this whole time. Mm -hmm. This is just this old white cop. I like it's way more shocking for him to see a a birth of a baby yes. head on, but then it's a demon Chucky doll. Yeah. And that like the sack breaks with explosive force all over, all over his face. That was the thing that I was like, when it, 
was happening, I was like, oh my God, is she going to have the seed of Chucky right now? Is yeah. this what's happening? Oh, it is happening. Yeah. That was a surprise, but they, as a, the filmmakers knew, like, we know you're maybe getting a little ahead of the curve here that this is going to be a kid. So we'll shock you with a blood gush to the face. And the guy is horrified by the blood in a way that people haven't been horrified by blood yet in this movie. So that was also very shocking. I was also surprised to learn that Seed of Chucky comes so many years after. I thought for sure it'd be another like year turnaround for that. Yeah, what was the holdup? I wonder, maybe we'll find out in the notes. I'm sure we will. Yeah. Um, The... yeah, but what a fun ending! I, um, you know, like comedies, like the last of the last fifteen twenty years. I think post there's something about Mary. So maybe twenty five years. They always end with people singing. You know, comedies a lot of times now end oh, with yeah. like a group singing or a musical thing. I've noticed kids' movies that I take Mary to that aren't even musical based they'll figure out a way to get everybody on stage singing at the end. Um, and I've heard that uh, test screenings for comedies, there's a huge spike when the last scene is people like, the credits went out right when the serotonin was like all over my brain because people were singing and dancing like, Bride of Chucky could have been, it wasn't, it could have been a sludge of shit for like 85 minutes. And if that had to happen in the last scene, I would have been like, Bride of Chucky's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, that ending was really great. So good. Packed a wallop. What's your best kill? Best kill is the mirror. Me too. Yeah. And uh, let's say we got a rating for the first one. We each gave it a 10. The second one, I gave it a nine. You gave it an 8.5. Three, I gave a 10. Wow, I matched it. Yeah. Wait, say those again, Matthew. I'm uh, sorry. We both gave the first one a 10. Okay. You gave the second one an 8.5. I gave it a 9. The third one you gave an 8. I gave it a 10. And Bride of Chucky, what are you going to give it? Uh, I'll give it a 9. I'm giving it a 12. Buddy! <laughs> That's awesome. I, I liked it more than the second, but the first one... um. Yeah, it just holds a place in my mind. That um, I guess these movies aren't scary enough for me to appreciate them as much as scary right. movies. But when they get fun, that got way more fun than the first one got scary to me. Yeah, even though I like the first it. one, and yep. I, I think it's well done. Yes, yeah, um, and it kind of brought some of the. I mean, we liked how part three played it a little bit more less expressionistic, but I thought this one kind of brought back that like high Gothic style part two. That was pretty dope. Yeah. So we're halfway through our, can you believe it? And should we take a, we'll take a week off sure. just to, just to take a little mid season break Great. and then we'll be back in two weeks. So what's left seed of Chucky cult of Chucky. Uh, 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 seed of Chucky. Um, something in the middle there. Cult of Chucky. Is what? it curse of Chucky? Yes. Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, The Child's Play Reboot. Remake. Remake. And I haven't seen Seed. I have seen Curse. Curse. If it is that. Yeah. But I, if it is that one, whatever part six is. Yeah. Haven't seen seven. And have you seen the remake? 
I haven't seen the remake. Yeah, me either. So we got some uh, some fun ones ahead of us, or some uh, undiscovered, uh, un- unseen as of now. So hit up the Patreon. You can get some commentaries and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Plus, of course, I should mention you get these episodes a week early and ad-free. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with The Seed of the Chucky. The Seed of Chucky. Bye. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.